What's more fun than listening to us in your car or at work every Wednesday or Friday? Seeing us perform an episode of Sinisterhood for you live. This week, we are closing out the summer tour with our final two stops in Tampa and Orlando. At every stop, we choose a local topic and perform an episode of Sinisterhood for you live. We even throw in a fun bonus segment at the end where we get to hear from you in the audience. Tickets are available now, and for all the details, including dates, times, venues, and more, visit Sinisterhood.com slash live shows. That's Sinisterhood.com slash live shows. See you on the road. A beautiful structure looms over the bustling party scene of Broadway in the Music City. A venue like no other, this building's religious beginnings give it a stately elegance. The music that echoed through its halls has made careers and, according to some, started curses. Some restless souls never left the hallowed halls of the Mother Church of Country Music. This week's episode is The Ryman Auditorium and the Grand Ole Opry. In the night, your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood We had a lovely time in Nashville. I got me a country shirt. <laughs> you sure fringe. did. I got me a country denim jacket. That's right. We This was the first show where I don't want to say costumes were purchased because they were not costumes. They are clothes people wear every day. But we yeah. leaned in to the vibe of Nashville and what we were feeling. And we decided fringe was necessary for the show. I was very into my shirt that I got. I got it at Third Man Records, which was the one of the most thrilling instances that you and I have had mm-hmm. together or separately. I mean, we're both married. You have children. And yet still touring <laughs> Third Man was like, it's like top five, maybe top three. It was very badass. Thank you again to Christina for allowing us that opportunity. It was definitely something we can't explain it to people that weren't there. So... We got to do another show in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Christina did say, she's like, you know, the blue room here, it's 300 people can fit. And so we said, all right, well, we will take you up on that if we come back to Nashville. And I would love for Tommy and Paris to be able to see the uh, the whole behind the scenes stuff, too, because it was super badass. It was amazing. And we jokingly said, all we have are our memories. And I wrote in my diary about it. And my actually fun timing that this is coming out, my newsletter this past week was about us going to Third Man. Oh, there and you the, go. My bad guesses at what those animal skulls were. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good guesser a on that. Of, a lot of animal but, skulls back there. And just full, full ass taxidermy animals, too. But then we got to go to the Ryman. We got to meet our friend Judy from Wisconsin while mm-hmm. we were having bushwhackers. We got to sing, Man, I Feel Like a Woman at a country bar in Nashville. And there's really no better way Tootsies. to see the city. Tootsies, that's right. Mm-hmm. Home old Hank Williams Sr. He liked to drink there. I don't know that he drank a frozen Kahlua <sighs> beverage called a bushwhacker, but he was missing out. Dude, so good. I think about that drink at least twice a week. If I've I never even near... heard of it. My hairstylist and now yours and yes. friend uh, Laurel told me about them and never heard of them. And then we go and I was like, my life has changed. 
I didn't know Laurel was responsible yeah. for the bushwhacker information. Laurel was responsible Thank for you. the bushwhacker information. Not only does she keep both of our hair looking on point now, my hair was raggedy as fuck. <laughs> and I just saw Laurel this week at Collective Salon, shout out in Dallas. And now I have such a nice haircut. I, I should have thanked her in person. I well, had no idea. I don't Apologies, I, I, Laurel. It's my fault for not uh, saying specifically who told us about that. But yeah, the bar, man, what a bar, too. Three levels. Three different bands playing oh, yeah. three different songs on each level, yet somehow it all worked. Yeah, it it just melds together on the staircases, mm-hmm. and people are just going up, down, in and out. Like you, it's it's like uh, Bourbon Street kind of vibe, but I feel like a little bit more geared toward. Obviously, it's more geared toward country music, mm-hmm. and it's just. It was like literally bands on bands on bands. There's all there's tons of bands on Bourbon Street, just like there's bands on Sixth Street in Austin. But this was Nashville was bands were stacked Dude. on other bands. It was mega music street. I understand why people move there now if they're trying to pursue a music career because I mean, while a million people there are doing the same thing, it appeared there are a lot of opportunities to play and book your bands for gigs, which is great. It was um also learned from my friend Tim who used to live there for many years, that it is the bachelorette capital of the United States, more so than New Orleans. I could see that. Oh, I yeah. Definitely we saw see lots that. of veils, lots of sashes, lots of people out for celebrating the um, the... I hate when people say the last night of freedom because if that's what <laughs> you're looking at, then you shouldn't be getting married. If you're like, well, it's my last night. I can sleep with someone else before I can no longer do this. Listen, there were, you can there were also sleep a with lot whoever of, you want. Um, like girl and guy uh, just groups like taking yes. trips with matching shirts and, and things like that. So Denim vests. Yeah, it was a lot. There were, And this was 2 p.m. on a Thursday. People were just yeah. ready. They were ready for going. it. Was the weekend ha- doesn't end. It doesn't begin because it doesn't end. That's true. It's just one continuous weekend. I might be front myself out, and I'm not 100% sure, but I think that this is the live show in which I besmirched the good name of the city of Las Vegas, and I just want to apologize. Mm. I'm I trying think it to remember if it was. I think it, it is. Yes, I because it, is. it came up because we were saying yes. that more than Vegas, this place is the bachelorette destination. Upon further contemplation, I would like to say there are certain parts of it that are terrible. And I think even locals would be like, fuck that street. Are you Don't talking go about to Vegas or Yes, in Las Vegas. No, Vegas. Okay. Well, every city. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you go to a city and you only visit, especially if it's a tourist, if you're from a city that attracts a lot of out-of-town tourists or whatever, it has those. So I'm sure, and I would love to see other parts of Las Vegas that were not the parts, but I have many fond memories going. My parents did a vow renewal in Las Vegas. They were married by Elvis. It was a magical time. I've only been to Vegas once, and I have nothing but good things to say. I had a, I had you a lot go of fun. Back. I went with my family, and it was nice and fun, and then I have gone for, like, work trips or, like, I I think I t- when we were talking about where, where we hit rock bottom in our lives, I can't recall when that was, but someone was like, do you know, how would you describe rock bottom? And I was, like, in a, I was in the MGM Grand Hotel oh, right. room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that might have been, that might have been the source. So as you hear me just riffing on slash shitting on Vegas, I just want to let you know, with further contemplation, I have now, Vegas and I are cool. And now it sounds like me and you need to go. Because if oh, you've yeah. only been once, like, let's do it. There's I mean, probably yeah. cool stuff to go do, uh, do a show there. Tommy isn't a gambler, but I am. 
Uh, I didn't so, know that about you. Yeah, I love to gamble. Give me I the blackjack table, bitch. Fuck. I'm not so, calling see, you a bitch. General bitch. The royal bitch. Yes. Yeah, the th- third party royal Dude, I fucking love to gamble. Let's do it's it. bad. I bought four scratch off lottery tickets last oh, night. Oh, see, I'm not I don't do that because they confuse me, honestly. I don't know how to go about ordering them. There's one single one that I play, and it's the Loteria game, because I like to play that game as a kid. It's like bingo, but images in Spanish. Oh. And so you scratch off like a bingo caller card, and then you matched. And then if you get them in a row, it's easy. It's like the silly, when I have change at the grocery store, I'll buy them. Mm-hmm. They're like two bucks or whatever. And I just have fun like watching TV and doing my scratchers. There you go. I used to do them with my dad, too. And the same with my dad. Loved to gamble. He liked video poker. So I think I have mm. these like warm memories of going to Oklahoma casinos or going to Las Vegas with my dad. I love slot machines. I love Dean Martin themed slot machines specifically in Niagara Falls. And Las Vegas and Oklahoma, I've won very big on the Dean Martin-themed slot machine. So those are the ones I always go for. But I'm too scared to do table games. Oh. If you, my sister does craps like a champ. So I've never you can played do, craps. I would like to. You, oh, you and Shannon would clean the craps table Me, you, up. Shannon, Leanne. Misty. Misty. Leanne. Need to go oh, yeah. to, because you know what? I don't think I've ever been to Windstar. Oh, it's fun. I don't think I have. That's I've been a to a couple in Shreveport. And okay. New Orleans, but I don't think I've been to Windstar, which is, for those of you not around here, it's right across the border from Texas and Oklahoma. Like, as soon as you cross the border, it is just right there. So yeah. you can uh, take care of all your gambling needs. But, yeah, I do love Blackjack, especially yeah. if you've got a good dealer. because And you've got, like, a, you know, your group is pretty much the only people sitting at the table, and you get a good dealer, and... They're like helping vibes. you out, and you're bantering, and it's it's fun and everything. So um, yeah, I'm down. I've I've never won big on slots, but they're fun. Yeah, I like well, and I like the Dean Martin one because there's games. I also won like 200 bucks on a Ghostbusters one. Like, oh, nice! And it was so amazing because it was the Ghostbusters one. But then of course, like oh, and I won some money on a My Cousin Vinny machine, which is so silly that I like to go and play the ones that are pro- intellectual property that I like. Oh, but I think I, that that's that's done on purpose. They wouldn't oh, have yeah. those games when we were in Tahoe. There was one we played. Oh, it was a Simpsons one. It was the biggest. I mean, it like an entire wall of various images and screens and everything it was a lot it was very overwhelming and i could never tell if i was winning or losing or what i should be looking at but i kept spending money on it so i probably was out you know a hundred bucks but uh, it was fun because it's like you said the characters you recognize and little sayings they do and everything so yeah but that one i had to leave because um everybody was just smoking up a storm and i was pregnant at the time and i was like this probably isn't great for my unborn child. No, nah, you get like a respirator or something <laughs> if you're going to do that. Or just wait, wait until That's the one born. thing about uh, casinos is yeah. I don't like cigarette smoke. And I don't like being in a place where people indoors can smoke right around me. So that's the one part. I don't know if they still, if Vegas still does that or not, but... I, I think maybe there's areas that are and aren't smoking mm-hmm. or something. That makes sense if they did that. But yeah, that's a, you got to do the envelope method where you go mm-hmm. and you I like to take my winnings into separate envelope and I don't spend them. That's how you go out on top. That's I've never I, done that, which is why I always lose. Because <laughs> we all know once people start cheering me on and I, I get that adrenaline rush, I can't walk away. 
yeah, and I just start making rash decisions <laughs> that <laughs> that don't end well. So, yeah. uh, but that's why Tommy would be a good gambler is because he knows he knows when to hold him, he knows when to fold him, he knows when that. to walk away. I do not. I am not the Kenny Rogers of gambling. No, and that's why I have to just be like, I brought $100 only, mm-hmm. and I'm like not going to go to an ATM. I have to stop myself and say, if I once I'm out of the gamble money, I don't go into the winnings money bucket. God, like you got willpower. Not really. It's bad. I mean, like if I it, when, before when I didn't do that, it would just be like, I'll just go to the ATM. Boy, it's like $7 to take money out yeah, of the ATM. No it's shit. fine. I don't need to pay my rent. Like, <laughs> You've okay, spent more money yeah. taking out money than yeah. you did making any money just on the ATM fees. That's right. Isn't Lewis Black have that bit where he's like, I can go to Vegas, but instead I just like to put quarters in my toilet and flush it because eventually <laughs> it'll back up and I'll feel like I won something. That's funny. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, I believe that's how that it is. there were casinos in nashville am i imagining that that's a great question i feel like we we were somewhere maybe it wasn't nashville we were somewhere recently where we saw them and we were all surprised that gambling oh detroit was it there okay yeah Yeah. it says the the closest to nashville is 150 miles away but there were there were uh like an mgm grand in detroit it was just right there yeah and in uh also in chicago there were slots at that's right. The bar. At the, yeah. That's right. At Chet's Melody Lounge yes, on yes. the south side. Yeah. Those people were playing. She thinks my tractor's sexy mm-hmm. while they played on their own phone because there that was, was no on music. their phone. Yeah. Yeah. It was just they had their phone. Oh, I playing. thought there was a jukebox back there. No, no. Damn. She turned the jukebox off so that you could, we could watch the office. That's right. That's how and that so bar that, is. well, then we took away their music source, so they had to improvise. Oh, well, yeah. Well, they were doing their best. And uh, so were we in Nashville. It was a great time. Again, thank you to Christina at Third Man. It was a dream to perform at Zany's because Zany's Nashville is where Nate Bargetti performs. Mm-hmm. And he is probably one of my all-time favorite comics, if not number one. It was very nice to hear from the manager there, too, that he's a super nice guy and that he is very diligent and focused and meticulous about his jokes and how he writes them and he just said, you know, he'll show up and everything is very professional. So it's always interesting to hear how the sausage is made by people mm-hmm. we look up to. So, yeah, we also got to contribute a lot to the design of the green room. So right. uh, if you go and you play and you're like, damn, these pictures are arranged very pleasingly. We did have a little bit to do with that because it was happening all around us the whole time yes. in the green room. It was fascinating to see all the different posters they had from mm-hmm. the comics that had played there. We saw Jeff Foxworthy was on the wall in the performance area, which mm-hmm. everywhere we go, we try to spot Jeff Foxworthy and make sure he's with us. He's watching over us. But yeah, that green room is was fantastic. The, everyone was so kind, mm-hmm. great staff. We really appreciated it. And uh, yeah, we will post some uh, onstage photos. This one was not video recorded, but we do have some onstage photos so you can see Christy's jean jacket with the fringe on the arms and my black cowboy shirt with the yellow fringe on the chest. I'll make sure those are front and center in the photos that we post. I had to take the jacket off halfway through because it was way too hot. Also, the jacket was too small. I'll be completely honest. I wasn't going to buy it because... It was too small, but I did it for the bit. And yes. so I, uh, when I needed to take it off, I couldn't really comfortably get it off. So Heather had to assist me uh, and yank it off my shoulders like I was a, a toddler struggle. trying to get dressed. It's a little struggle. It's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're like, I'm taking this off. 
stall. <laughs> it was <laughs> <right>. very warm. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. Uh, thank you again, like we said, to Zany's Nashville and everybody. It was so much fun. It was and, a lot uh, of fun. I want me a bushwhacker. Oh, God. I'm, I'm telling you, because it's a thousand degrees here. Like, that just sounds so good. Just a mm-hmm. cold, frozen drink. Mm. It was a fun vibe. I said, I get why people want to live here, why they move yes. here. Even driving around the areas that were like residential areas, gorgeous. The mm-hmm. landscape is pretty. There's so much lush greenery, some really cute neighborhoods. It just, it was a very cool place. And we all said, we want to come back here where we have about three days to spend where we we just get to hang out. We're not having to worry about work or anything because we only got to spend about 30 minutes at the Ryman. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple other um, museums and stuff we wanted to check out, too. And lots of places up and down the main street. I forget what it's called now that we were Broadway? on. What is it? Broadway? Broadway. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And we also have what is one of the cooler things we've ever gotten to do that also happened at Third Man was record some audio that recorded straight onto vinyl, onto a 45, into this tiny little sound booth that was super rad. But people like Neil Young have recorded in there, U2. It's was... uh, jaw-dropping to be able to stand in there and be like, we're recording on the same thing that all these greats have. And it's available to the public because it's in the main part of the third man where the store is. And you can record, I think it was a minute or so of audio. Like a minute and 30 seconds or something Yeah, and then they just put it straight onto vinyl for you. So we didn't know that we were both just going to stand there and weep openly (laughs) for the majority of it. But we both did, and Leanne filmed it, and we have the audio from that. So we're going to be posting that on Patreon this week, as well as the uncroxing video uh, <laughs> trademark uh, that of Heather unboxing her Margaritaville Crocs, because she's going to be wearing them this week in Florida. Yes. So that's going up, too. It will be amazing. I just want to say I don't have children and I don't have a wife who could bear my children. But being in that booth with you, you hear people describe when their spouse is giving birth and they're like, I've never loved you more in that moment. <laughs> that's how I felt in that Aww. booth. I just looked at you and I just was like, I love you so it much. It was. Man. I knew I was going to cry because I was already feeling emotional before that even came up, which yeah. I don't know why. I was... There was something about the whole experience that was just like, wow, this is really cool that we're getting the opportunity to do this. And so then when we got in there, I was like, yeah, this is about to happen. But you usually don't cry. So when I saw you tearing up, I was like, game over. I can't hold it back. (laughs) Oh, it'll be great. And then 1,000 people showed up for another tour that um, we had to wipe our tears away so we could make our way around them and buy all the merch because, man, did we come home with some stuff. We did. We did. Mm-hmm. So if you're in Nashville, go to Third Man because it was incredible. Mm-hmm. And if you want to hear about our uh, or watch our Patreon video, we're going to upload that where we're in the booth and you'll hear the audio from the record. Mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, Paris is in there. I'll be like, how do you make a record onto a computer? Yeah. And he'll be like, I got you. <laughs> or <laughs> put your microphone up to the side. I don't know. Well, either way, he's going to have an answer that is what we'll do. So thank you, Paris, <laughs> in advance. Yeah, this was super fun. We uh, hope you enjoy it. If you were at the show, thanks so much for being such a great audience. And um, 
we hope to go back soon and, and visit and have many more bushwhackers. Oh, yeah. with you as you can tell from our outfits we're fucking obsessed with this city we got this today we got this today mine is from third man records and christy's is from the ryman yeah so we gift shop shop today that's what we're in so our costume department is gift shops uh we are obsessed with this city how are y'all doing tonight oh my gosh um well, this subject, I mean, I love country music. I'm from Tennessee Hill people, as I like to say. Uh, so coming here and we toured the Ryman today, it's been phenomenal. But before that, we went to Tootsie's and had a bushwhacker. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I met Judy from Milwaukee. She was real she nice. She was great. <laughs> she did criticize the topic that we've chosen for Milwaukee. <laughs> I was kind of telling her, she's like, what, what brings you to town? And I told her, she goes, that ain't even in Milwaukee. I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> she's like, what you got to do? And then she started telling me in her very Milwaukee accent. But I think that's like what's magical about the city is like everyone's just friends already, like in the streets. Half the people are like, it's my birthday. And the other half's like, I'm getting married. (laughs) When I mean the streets, I mean Broadway. That's where we were earlier today. At Tootsie's, I just looked around and I go, what day is it? And Heather goes, it's Thursday at 2 p.m. I was like, where does, does no one work? Like, it's just... I mean, we were we were at work. I know this is so. my job. I was like, I need to drink this bushwhacker. To talk but it about was a, it was a party, which I imagine it's always a party here. It's a it's it's a very fun city. We're bummed that we have to leave in the morning because there's so much that we want to do. But we I are know. coming back. Oh, we're coming back. For I want to sure. go on the Redneck Comedy Bus Tour. I saw like a flyer for that, and I'm like, no offense if you're in the audience. I was like, this is gonna be horrible, and I wanted every minute of it. I want to spend all the hours on it. Uh, but there's so many cool things. So we only got to do a handful, but I think we got to do the coolest thing. Uh, yeah. Which we joke that technically, yes, our subject is Ryman and Grand Ole Opry, but we're so obsessed with record store, like the record place we went to. It was uh, Third like, Man Records even, was amazing. It was so amazing. Christina gave us a tour of it. Shout out. Christina's. Hi, Christina. Okay, what's up, um, We were not allowed to take pictures, so it's all up here. It's in here. Um, it's in and here. it's in here. It was, uh, it's the coolest place to work. <laughs> Honestly. And you're, Christina was like, it's kind of, some people have said it's kind of like Willy Wonka factory. Yeah, 100% that is. Instead of chocolate, they make music. And it's <laughs> even sweeter. It was so it's very cool. cool. And we got, there's a record booth. It's like, you can get in it and you can record for 150 seconds. And then it presses it on a record. And we got in there and I wrote a little like fake written intro as if we were going to talk about it. And then at the end of it, I just started crying. We both was, just started sobbing. And then Christy's like, are you crying? I'm crying. And I was like, we're both crying and then the whole recording was just laughing and crying and then I was like we gotta end it and she was like as always the double world's here and I was like keep it creepy <laughs> and the very nice gentleman at the front's like let me listen to the record make sure it pressed and I was like oh don't listen to that that's fine it was overwhelming because she had just said like you two's recorded an album in there and Neil Young recorded an entire album we're like and now we're gonna do something <laughs> uh, so it was very cool it was, fantastic. It was yeah um, it was awesome but the whole time's been awesome, and we're going to talk about our adventures. Oh, yes. And uh, some ghosts, and some murders. And some curses. And some curses, and a lot of country music. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, 
I'm assuming, round of applause if you haven't been to the Ryman. A oh, smattering. no, I'm sorry. Give us You've a good shame. Give us like a good hoot and a holler if you have been to the Ryman. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to take this jacket off in a second. <laughs> this was a fun bit, but it's a thousand degrees, so, um, but I'll leave it on as long as I can. Yeah, well, uh, you ready? I'm ready. Get into it? All right, well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. Yeah! The Ryman Auditorium, known as the Mother Church of Country Music, has hosted some of the greatest talents in country music throughout the years. The Gothic Revival structure started off as an actual church for Reverend Samuel Jones's congregation. Captain Thomas G. Ryman, a hard-partying steamboat captain, built the auditorium after visiting one of Reverend Jones's tent revivals. According to Haunted Tennessee, Captain Ryman was known as a drinker and a troublemaker <laughs> along all the rivers he traveled. So on May 10, 1885, when he and some of his crew ended up at a tent revival in Nashville, the group came with the intention of making a fuss. Instead, the service was so moving that Captain Ryman walked out a believer. How hard do you have to party that you're known in every steamboat port as like, he's, oh God, he's the bad boy of steamboats. Yeah. Oh, it's Ryman, he's coming. How powerful was that sermon that that's your reputation in yes. one sermon? And he's like, dried him up. He's Give it done. Up. He's done after that. No more. After the tent revival, life on Ryman's boat changed. No longer were the men allowed to drink or gamble on board. Even further, Ryman believed the good Reverend Jones deserved a real building to spread the word. It took a few years, but in 1892, the Union Gospel Tabernacle opened its doors, ready to host over 1,200 people per service. According to Kim Burns' Country Music, Ryman wanted to create an outpost purely to catch sinners. <laughs> he was a sinner snatcher. He did a complete 180. He did. He went from being a sinner, and that's not, you can't shame a sinner when you've been a sinner. You're, I don't know. So it'd be <laughs> like if all of a sudden I was like, no, uh, I, I, no one's allowed to do MCs anymore <laughs> after we talk about them all the time. You get to that Spider Man meme where you're like pointing and they're pointing and you're pointing. He was a sinner, and he was pointing other sinners. Maybe they felt seen. Oh. They were like, oh, fuck, it's Ryman? Oh, yeah, I got to turn it around. Yeah. Although, well, if Ryman's shame. asked me to turn it around, then I got to turn it around. I've had a time. He's Steamboat Ryman. And if you, the really crappy thing is if you're on his boat, and you're like, man, life is great. We drink all the time. We gamble. We fuck shit up. And then it's like, well, we'll all be praying silently to ourselves. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm going to jump off um, the boat. Yeah, let me off of the next port. Like, we're going we're gonna to mutiny, so you should probably but go to church. But that also allows an in for someone that was, like, trying to be Steamboat Ryman, mm -hmm. but was falling a little bit short. Mm -mm. That's, there's always an opening. If survivors <laughs> taught me anything, don't ever give up. There's always an opening. You can always... Uh, flip it around. There was another steamboat captain that's like, I'm the bad boy of steamboats. <laughs> and then when Ryman went straight, he was like, yes. The first concert held at the Ryman was a May Music Festival in May of 1892. Orchestrated as a fundraising event by the Ladies Association, the purpose of the concert was to raise money to purchase antiques that had once belonged to Andrew Jackson and have them kept in his historical home. The group was unsuccessful in raising the funds they had hoped for, but musically, the event was a hit. 
I imagine antiques owned by Andrew Jackson is just an array of whacking canes. Because <laughs> he beats the shit out of people with canes. And a they lot. wanted all of them yes. for his home. A cane for every room. <laughs> Bring the canes home. Between the sermons and the music, people were flocking to Ryman Auditorium. Reverend Jones's revivals became so popular, in fact, that the number of attendees eventually became a problem for the man of faith. According to the official Ryman site, in February of 1897, the Reverend declared that he would never hold another revival in Nashville until the gallery is built, explaining that he was tired of being crowded to death. <laughs> this man is like, come, listen to my word, but not too many of you because you are <laughs> stepping on my feet. <laughs> There's no AC. Honestly. We were there today, and I go, imagine being here when there was no AC. I, no. Mm-mm. Never. And then there's also not as many pews then either. In fact, I don't, and there were dirt floors at the time too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Things were rough. Yeah. And he was like, get the hell out. (laughs) I want to save most of you, but not all of you. I literally care about being. I have a limit. (laughs) That's right. Don't we all? The Reverend got his wish that same year when the seventh reunion of the United Confederate Veterans took place at the auditorium. The three-day reunion was part of the larger Tennessee Centennial Exposition that saw 74,000 attendees, according to the official Ryman site. Anticipating a huge turnout, the decision was made prior to the event to build a balcony in the theater. In appreciation, the veterans donated $2,500 to the Ryman, who then named the balcony the Confederate Gallery. Honestly, you learn, you give some money, money, they'll name stuff after you. Yeah. That's how we're getting our museum. That's right. We, uh, I don't know what's in it. Oh, well, we should probably, oh, we, these guys, we have not addressed, it's getting a little ridiculous at the front of our, uh, we, every time we get a little animal, we add them to the table. We got these last night. We have not named them yet. They're bats with uh, wings that have imagery oh, on the inside. bats have wings. With imagery on the inside. Oh, yes, yes. And mine has blood. And mine has little skulls. And this is Baby. Have you heard about us talk about Baby? This is Baby. And uh, Baby is wearing a custom-made T-shirt made by Nancy McKinney. Yeah, my mom made that shirt. The uh, manager at the club last night goes, is that a fly? And we go, it's a Mothman. As if that was not any more ridiculous. Yes. Honestly, great question. His feathers are getting a little. Uh, we got. We're getting him a carrier. Baby's to been travel. through. Baby's been through TSA a lot of times. Yeah. Like arguably too many times. Yes. Yeah. I'm surprised. Honestly, we haven't been pulled over uh, in the line more than we have. Nope. To have They're our like, bags. They're like, we don't want to ask questions about this. This is fine. No. Keep going. Well, later that year, Susan B. Anthony delivered a lecture to the sprawling hall. Then in 1901, a full stage was erected, and a year later, celebrated African-American lecturer Booker T. Washington gave a lecture to a conference of church leaders. In these early years, the tabernacle saw church services and public meetings, as well as weddings, funerals, and Vanderbilt University graduations. I like a place. It's a multi-purpose place. Yeah, it's a multi-purpose room. It quickly became um, not just about religion, but, you know, you got a big space. People go to church once a week. You got a 
It'd be a stupid business plan not to rent that out the rest of the time. That's what I said today. You know, they charge you about 27 bucks, and they go, it's a self-guided tour. I was like, so I just wander around on my own? <laughs> They're like, yeah. I was like, this is genius. Because you support the place, you keep it running, keep it operating. It was going to be empty anyway, and now you have a bunch of people in fanny packs taking selfies with the elk suit. I'm like, make that dough. Make now, that dough right. There was From day one, one. one person that was taking pictures other than that, it was just a free-for-all. Yeah, you really I can. mean, everyone was respectful. Most were of 80 or above. So it was a slow-moving uh, tour. There was, they were, there was like, I want to say 30. Oh, it was a crowd. 30 of them. It was a tour. A little, and um, they all crowded up on the little stage to get their picture. And, yes, it was very cute. Yeah. <laughs> it was also... Everybody was a little nervous because they were standing on steps. One, one false move. It's like a domino effect. Everybody's down. Yeah. But it was it was good. And it's then, like bumping a chessboard. It's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But we got up there and uh, we're, we go, let's pretend like we're singing. And we're like, nobody's ever done that, right? And, and she goes, you'd be surprised. Most people just freeze. She like, said, we tell them to smile and then they just stand there like, mm. You're not really performing, y'all. <laughs> no, this, you're not a, a country star. You're just getting your picture taken. <laughs> right. But it was very cool to be there and know, like, all of the icons that have performed there before and see all the clothes. People were real tiny. Dolly Parton is like this. You could literally put your hands. It was, it, and Loretta Lynn, all, everyone. I said, I don't know how anybody stood up there under those lights and those dresses. Honestly, yeah. It was, uh, we saw Miley Cyrus has a dress there. Mm-hmm. It's all these lovely clothes. But also, you'll hear Hank Williams and Patsy Cline's clothes there. And we covered, we were in Raleigh yesterday, and we talked about a haunted mansion that's full of the artifacts of the people that used to live there. And they're like, the spirits of the people that used to live here won't leave. And I was like, yeah, you filled it with all their shit. Mm-hmm. So they think, they're like, oh, I'm home. Like, it's my bed, it's my hat, it's my spoon. Like, you put her spoon out. What do you think she thinks when she sees her spoon? That she's alive and it's fine. So you see, like, Hank Williams' outfit, Patsy Cline's outfit. Here's the lyrics they wrote, the mics they use. I'm like, yeah, if I was a ghost, I would want to go where all my shit was. Yeah. We did not see the gray man. Or did we? I don't know. Saw a lot of grays. <laughs> but not the one we'll talk about. You saw what? So we saw a lot of gray-haired oh, yes. people. Gray-haired people, but yes. not the one where... Yeah. Yes, yes. Captain Ryman enjoyed 12 good years after seeing his vision for a large church come to fruition. He died on December 23, 1904, and his funeral was held on Christmas Day in the massive structure he had created. According to the building's official history... It was at Ryman's funeral where Reverend Sam Jones took a vote asking whether the tabernacle should be renamed from the Union Gospel Tabernacle to Ryman Auditorium. The audience replied with a standing ovation, and the building was officially renamed. It's the I declare bankruptcy version of naming the building. <laughs> I'm like, we shall name it, everyone in favor, and just everyone screamed. At a man's funeral, what are you going to say, no? No. You, no His dead they, body is on stage. You can't and they're say like, no. Do we want to honor him? What say you? And of course, everyone's like, yeah. The ones that were allowed in, I'm yeah. sure, were allowed in. <laughs> they could vote. Yeah, that's, uh, you can't say no in a situation. Although, no. you know, there's like one person like, good it's fine it's yeah. confusing people already know what it's called in the streets and you're like shut up jerry <laughs> <laughs> two years later on october 15th 1906 reverend jones passes away while traveling back to his home in georgia a memorial service for the famed reverend was held at the ryman on october 28th 
which is also Heather's birthday. Yeah. I didn't do it. I didn't kill him. <laughs> you didn't travel back in time on a train? I and had one mission. I got this shirt. I got a time machine. <laughs> it's like, you... I don't have beef. I don't have beef with uh, Reverend Jones. You had beef Jones. last night. I was beefing with a ghost yesterday, but I do not have beef with Reverend Jones. We're fine. That's good. You're, good. you're not beefing with any of these ghosts? We'll see. We'll see. Okay. After the captain's death, the focus of the Ryman shifted from one of the religious gatherings to instead playing host to musical acts, plays, ballets, operas, and even comedians. Throughout the early 1900s, the auditorium saw world-class performances and lectures. President Theodore Roosevelt and William Howard Taft delivered speeches on its stage. Helen Keller and Ann Sullivan told their story and responded to questions from the audience. Miss Keller's engagement was the first ticketed event to sell out the theater. Oh, yeah, once the pastor's gone, they're like, fill it up and fill it with sinners. <laughs> <laughs> we won't turn anybody away. That was really tickets. cool, though, that um, they were on stage and they would ask questions and, um, you know, she would feel her lips to see what the, the questions were and then answer back. And uh, to be in there and, like, on the same stage and be like, that all happened here. Yeah, it's like an it's iconic figure of the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. From November 12th to the 17th, the Ryman hosted what it considers to be the most important convention in not only the auditorium's history, but also the city of Nashville's. For those six days, delegates gathered to discuss and advocate for women's rights during the National Women's Suffrage Association Convention. It all started here. Mm -hmm. Well, not started, but it all finished here. <laughs> well, that was D.C., but it all happened here. It's, a lot of it happened here. Yeah, that's six whole days. Tragedy struck the Ryman family in 1915. While riding on a steamer, Thomas Ryman Jr., one of Captain Ryman's sons, was shot and killed. In a strange coincidence, that same day, a fire began in the basement of the Ryman beneath the stage. To get the flames down below and extinguish the blaze, firefighters had to destroy the stage. In addition to the fire and smoke damage, the auditorium was drenched with water and hacked to pieces. Eventually, it was rebuilt. Man, that beautiful wood. And you think, I mean, you have to to save the whole building, but just going at it with that axe. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's when um, they took some of it and, and kept what they yeah. could to use it later when they did rebuild. Try to preserve it. On March 11, 1924, world-renowned magician and escape artist Harry Houdini took the stage at the Ryman. He delighted the crowd performing his famous water escape trick, which he was hung upside down by his feet and dunked into the tank head first. After the trick, Houdini lectured the audience about the dangers of mediums and spiritualists, warning that they were tricksters and charlatans and should not be trusted. He also discussed the case of Tennessee's own famous ghost, the Bell Witch, and expressed his doubt at her existence. Boo! boo. More like Boo-Dini, am I right? <laughs> this man shows up in the city of Nashville. A, a magician. A magician. Up. To go, let me show you my magic tricks. <clears throat> and now for my lecture. And everyone's like, duck yourself in the tank again. And he's like, no, I want to talk shit about like, But how here. is magic different from fortune tellers? It just is. Just don't pay no attention. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to criticize the Bell Witch, which if you've heard our episode on her, she's amazing. You know what? That's the way to get your ass beat is mm -hmm. to criticize the Bell Witch on stage. You're going to get cursed like, 100%. He was dunked after the show by invisible hands and it's like we know who it was you know exactly who it was throughout the next few decades the Ryman stage saw stars like Catherine Hepburn and Tallulah Bankhead as well as Zigfield's Follies and even Eleanor Roosevelt 
Bob Hope and Doris Day broke attendance records for their joint show, which hosted so many attendees that some were forced to sit on the stage. Because the Reverend wasn't there. They were just letting anybody that wanted <laughs> in off the street. They're Bob like, come Hope's on like, in. Come on. Touring acts would come and go for temporary stints. But on June 5th, 1943, WSM Radio began broadcasting what would become the building's staple show, the Grand Ole Opry. All right. Yes. A cavalcade of stars graced the Ryman stage performing on the Opry show. Hank Williams Sr. was a regular at the Opry. He even nicknamed his son, Hank Jr., Bocephus. 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 Here's why I didn't look that up is because it's a ventriloquist dummy's name and I hate them and they're scary. And I did not yeah. want that in my search history. If you Google Bocephus, you're either going to get pictures of Bocephus a dummy, which curses your computer, or you're going to see quotes from Hank Williams Jr. anytime in the last 40 years, which will also curse your computer. So you I chose not to. Nah. It was Rod Bradsfield's ventriloquist dummy. Brassfield was a Grand Ole Opry regular until his death in 1958. With substance use issues, Hank Sr.'s beca- behavior became increasingly erratic. He was scheduled for a performance and promotional appearance in August of 1952. When he failed to show up, frustrated officials released Hank from his contract. He died just four months later on January 1st, 1953. Yeah, he had such a short stint there. You really don't and think about it. And I didn't realize he was only 29 when he died. So young. So young. I, for some reason, my head was like, he was in his 50s, and then it's like, he was so young. Mm-mm. On his way to a show, had a heart attack in the back of the car. They were hard living back then. Oh, yeah. If walk the line is to be trusted, and I think it is. It is fact. Uh, it's historically accurate. <laughs> yeah, they were living hard back then. I mean, it makes me tired watching them just how much like like they were hungry hungry hippos of pills and it was like horrifying and like there but for the grace of god that johnny cash lived as long as he did yeah because they were all honestly that's some kind of miracle honestly is walk the line the one with will ferrell no that's (laughs) (laughs) which one's the one with will ferrell walk the line is with keen phoenix and reese witherspoon which one's the will ferrell one Walk hard, Walk the dude, hard. and that's um. Was that when they buried the John C. Riley? When he <laughs> when he chops off his yes. <laughs> also, Step Brothers is one with Will Ferrell. That is technically true. I, I don't think that head was the one. Thought you were joking that Walk Hard was historically accurate because that is something Heather would say. No. And then I was thinking about that movie, but yeah. I went through a Johnny Cash phase, or not Johnny Cash, I went through a Joaquin Phoenix phase where I was obsessed with Joaquin Phoenix, and I watched every one of his movies, and I got the DVD of Walk the Line, and I watched all of the extras, and I mean, I watched that movie a million times. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good. I, I, God. I also love Johnny Cash very much. Yeah, oh yeah, for I sure. I love I have, Witherspoon, too. I have Willie Nelson on the back of my phone. I, I love old, yeah, Chrissy gives me, I love old country, so. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was very I am fun. old country. Yeah, look at your shirt. You've embodied it. This is, I said, I can add this to the collection of my other Pearl Snap shirts that I have, which I do. <laughs> that's because we're improvisers, and that's the improvisers outfit. I've actually never worn one on stage. I really? should start doing that. Oh, no. yeah. you got to wear uh, plaid, Pearl Snap, jeans, and Converse. There you go. I'm almost and there. And tell stupid jokes. <laughs> that's also the improvisers' way. On October 5, 1954, Elvis made his first and only appearance at the Opry. He sang his heart out, but according to the Ryman's official history, the man who would later be called the king only received a tepid applause during his performance of Blue Moon over Kentucky. Y'all, y'all don't like Kentucky. So you're like, I mean, I get, are y'all beefing with Kentucky? 
I don't know. I think he probably should have like chosen a little bit more of a down-home song versus singing about Kentucky and Tennessee. I think that was a bad choice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, also early days of Elvis. I don't know that song. Is it? Could you replace Kentucky with Tennessee and it would still be accurate? No? Y'all don't have blue moons here? Okay. Red moon over Tennessee? can be any color. We learned Black last moon. night not to mess with feuds. Blue moon of um, Kentucky. I don't know if y'all know this, but North Carolina takes their uh, basketball very seriously. I would like to urge you all in the audience, please do not boo Christy Wallace at any point during the show tonight, regardless three of what times opinions she may throw out regarding football, basketball, bass fishing teams. <laughs> To be, to be clear, I have no allegiance to any school in North Carolina. I don't care. I was just confused because we saw a bumper sticker of a giant NC State fish eating a tiny UNC, UNC fish. And we were like, but they're the wolf pack. That doesn't make sense. And jokingly, I was like, maybe they've got like a professional fishing team. That wasn't a joke. Yeah, when did. you say it in front of yeah. 230 people, they were like, we do have a fishing team. <laughs> and then it devolved into chaos. And like this side was UNC and this side was NC State. And it, it was it almost a brawl. It got very rowdy. And it was all, that just turned everything up to like 30. And then anything else we discussed, it was like, ah! <laughs> it was a fucking Hunger Games because of the bass fishing team. I... I I hesitate to even say this because I don't know how the temperature in this room, but I said, I don't agree when people pull through parking spaces. Thank you. This is the response Just I like, imagined. I it wasn't... <laughs> They're like... Flipping tables. It was wild. They're They're very, they, Raleigh is passionate and opinionated. They were fantastic. It was a great crowd. It was a phenomenal show. It was, it was, uh, it was wild. It was, we got off stage. We're like, I didn't think we were going to get out of there. <laughs> Oh my God. June Carter and the Carter sisters were a regular act on the famous stage. In 1956, June met the man in black, Johnny Cash, backstage. At that first meeting, Johnny told June, I'm going to marry you someday. That was good. That was good. Good job. I'm Johnny Cash. <laughs> I'm just got, cosplaying. I'm just cosplaying as Johnny Cash. Earlier we were doing bits like, we look kind of like a sister duo that sings songs. And they're like, are you guys going to sing on stage? Said, no, <laughs> we will not. We won't put you through that. Maybe later. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Twelve years later, that's what they did. In 1960, another country legend joined the Opry. Patsy Cline's performance of Willie Nelson's song Crazy at the Opry in 1960 thrilled the crowd so much they asked for three encores according to Ryman's official history that is a lot of one song <laughs> to keep hearing she's like <clears throat> okay all right well <laughs> sing it along really? if you know it and by now you probably do <laughs> crazy she was also the first woman to wear pants at the opera yes she was a trendsetter in country music and a favorite of songwriters who adored her perfect voice Sadly, just three years later, the Opry hosted a memorial tribute for Klein after she, Hawkshaw Hawkins, Cowboy Copas, and Randy Hughes all died in a plane crash on March 5th, 1963. That's another one that's such a legend in the, in the industry, but died so young so early, mm -hmm. but it just shows you like how much of an impact 
My papa loved oh, Patsy yeah. Cline. He had a bunch of eight tracks under his bed, and I'd be like, "Can we pull out the tapes?" And my mama, because he passed away, it's before coming I was off. Born. I'm sorry. Oh, do it. And, it's uh, so tight. Pull it off me. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh my God. Christ. It's, it's a little damp. damp. I don't blame you. It. it is damp. Okay. Ignore me. Listen to no, Heather's. You're good. Anyhow, there's nothing uh, to see here. Anyway, Mama and I'd listen to Patsy Cline albums. This is really. I think that's why I love Nashville because I am just. Very country. <laughs> oh, yeah. My grandparents loved it. We'll talk about Hee Haw later, but uh, <laughs> we, uh, we were a Hee Haw family. Uh, shout if you loved Hee Haw. <laughs> yeah. That, yes. Oh, man. I went down some Hee Haw rabbit holes, and what a time <laughs> it was. Comedy was something else back then. I think Hee Haw rabbit hole is something dirty. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, that is on my search history, so <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I haven't gone back to see what ads are being targeted, <laughs> gonna but gonna I'm going to check ones. after the show. Well, like, yeah. overalls, full coverage overalls. <laughs> <laughs> that same year, the Ryman's name was changed from Grand Ole Opry House after being purchased by National Life Insurance Company. With the name change, more stars performed under the lights. Some even chose to break them. In 1965, Johnny Cash was back at the Opry House, but not for long. According to Rolling Stone, Cash experienced a faulty microphone during an October 1965 performance. Angry from the mishap, he smashed all the footlights at the bottom of the stage with his microphone stand. This earned him a ban from the Opry, though it was later lifted, because you're not going to fucking ban Johnny Cash. Let's, okay, it was a flex. But then they gave him a TV show, so it's it's like, eh, it didn't really matter that much. It was just like, fuck your legs. Um, uh, can I, you imagine if one of these went out and we just hurled the microphone at all these lights up there? Yeah, but, you know, as many pills as he was doing and yeah, drinking. Yeah, it was a rough time. Yeah, it was a, it was a rough time for sure. I watched the Ken Burns documentary, Country Music, mm-hmm. which I pulled it up and I go, oh, look, it's only uh, 111 minutes long. And Paris goes... Really? And I go, oh no, it's five episodes yeah. and each one is 111 uh-huh. minutes long. And Paris goes, that's right, that's Ken Burns. Yes. There it is. Uh, but it's super fascinating. I mean, it literally goes start to finish. And start, the Grand Ole Opry, people would just pack in. I love the passion of folks in Nashville who are like, I want to see it. And then they show up and they cram their bodies very close. And then it was like, we got to do something about these folks. And that's what happened is that they would record this in a radio station. And then more folks would come and more folks were coming. And they were like, can I get in and see it? I drove all the way here. And then they're like, we got to move it to like a bigger stage, which according to Reverend Jones, wasn't even big enough. And then... I just, I like appreciate that y'all are like, no, nah, I'm fucking going. Yeah. No. You're like, we don't, we going. don't come down to your level. We make you raise the bar for us. Like, they're like you work for us. We don't really have room for you guys to watch. We'll build a bigger yeah. building. Well, you move better it. figure it out. Move it somewhere. Problem, I'm like, yeah, mine. move it. Hell yeah. In the Opry's golden years, the likes of Charlie Pride, Merle Haggard, and Loretta Lynn delighted crowds. The former manager of the Opry told filmmakers for Ken Burns Country Music that the average person drove 650 miles to visit Nashville to watch the country music legends play live. The Opry officially moved out of its iconic home in 1974 to a new building, but the Ryman remained. And though the Opry has a new home, two of its most famous stars never got the message that the show had moved. Grand Ole Opry stage manager Tim Thompson told the Tennessean about an eerie encounter. Hank, Hank Williams, Johnny, who is Patsy? 
Uh, one night in about 1976, I was sitting in the old ticket office. At two in the morning, I heard very plainly footsteps going across the stage. Couldn't see anything, even after I turned all the lights on. Spent a lot of nights down there. The old building creaked and cracked and popped, but definitely this was somebody going across the stage. I feel like you don't tell Tim Thompson he doesn't know what boots on a stage sounds no, like. No, he knows. He's he like, spent so many nights down there. I'm, my, my wife and I aren't doing well, and I don't <laughs> go home a lot. I spend a lot of nights here. This is all conjecture. I have no idea about his personal life. I'm sure that they had a lovely Tim marriage. Tim and Tammy are great. <laughs> As for Thompson Heard walking across the stage, there are a few suspects. Several spirits seem to haunt the Ryman Auditorium. The first school that has been seen lingering around is the building's namesake, Captain Thomas Ryman. Having found the good lord in his later days, the once wild captain seems to express his displeasure at the building being used for something other than revivals. Donna Marsh, founder of the Nashville-based Adsagonsa Paranormal Society, told the Tennessean, He is said to make appearances during performances of which he would not approve. I like that this man is like, get the hell off my stage. <laughs> He's like, you don't think I gave up a steamboat life of just getting drunk, gambling, a woman in every port, hanging with my boys on my boat. You know what boat parties are like? Boat parties are a thousand times better than a regular party. Oh, you, I we were all just talking up. about boat parties yes, we at Lake Louisville. Different than uh, if you're not from Texas, it's a... Trash Lake. They, uh, Party people trash go lake. and just drink, and, and but they'll tie their boats together, and they'll just dive in, and like they don't know each other, and just climb onto other people's boats, and everybody's just drinking. And Heather was mortified that Paris participated in this behavior. She's like, "You just let people climb on your strangers, climb on your boats." She's like, "Yeah, it was it was good. We were nice guys." Because yeah. you know, <laughs> it was true. Because I, when you are a huge dork that marries a super cool guy, I get like the inside. I'm like, so tell me about cool stuff like cool people do. And he's like, well, we go to Party Cove. And I was like, where's, where's a Party Cove? And he was like, nobody ever invited you to Party Cove. And I was like, oh, does it look like that someone would invite me to Party Cove? In a manner that wasn't an elaborate joke to trick me and push me into the water. What, no. you are the party code. What are you talking about? Whatever, suckers. The dorks grow up to marry the hot guys. Yeah. It worked out for me in the end. I was playing the long game. But he was saying, yeah, you tie your boats together. And he's like, yeah, these two ladies swum up. And I was like, mermaids? He was just like, no. Just women from another boat. I was like, what boat did they come from? He goes, we didn't ask. I was like, what is happening? And then he goes, yeah, we just drove them back to shore. I go, you could have driven them anywhere. And he goes... Yeah, I guess we could have. I was like, I love it. Cool guy, nice guy. Yeah. There's cool guy, douche guy. It's like the, what do you call the little squares, the Punnett square where you like talk about who has blue eyes in your family yeah. in science class? Mm -hmm. It's that, but he's cool guy, nice guy. Yeah. Party code. <laughs> well, one such incident with Ryman occurred during a performance of the opera Carmen in the early 1900s, shortly after his death. Carmen included some steamy scenes. And according to Haunted Nashville, the born-again ghost was so offended at the objectionable content, he began making a ruckus. The sounds of his ghostly tantrum were so loud that audience members complained to the staff that they had trouble hearing the production. They're like, hey, we're trying to see the people bang on stage. Can you tell this ghost to stop stomping around everywhere? Shut up. They're um, like, where's it coming from? I don't know. We can't see him, but we can hear it. 1900s. 
steamy is what you? Oh, you're seeing an ankle? Oh, yeah. The bone you're, part you're of the getting, ankle. Uh, a couple buttons unbuttoned up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Her hair becomes unpinned. Yeah, there's an unpinning. There's a shaking of the hair. A man yes. walks on stage with his face shaved clean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, uh, and that gets, that's all it takes. Captain Ryman's like, put it back in your pants. <laughs> She's like, it's my ankle. Other visitors have reported seeing a ghost that has been dubbed the Gray Man. He is called this because of his gray clothing. Decidedly less disruptive than Captain Ryman. The Gray Man is usually spotted sitting quietly in the balcony late at night after performances or during rehearsals. According to Haunted Nashville, when staff members head upstairs to clear the area, they find that the apparition is gone. The balcony is named for Confederate soldiers, and their uniforms are gray. Some have speculated this is one of the veterans who has returned decades after their original reunion. He's like, we paid 2500 good dollars for these seats, and I will not give them up. <laughs> like, Sir, we're going to have to ask you to... No, no, you can't you know ask what? me to leave because I already did. <laughs> Harry Houdini? <laughs> and he's like, and that's why you never pretend you saw a ghost. <laughs> One legendary spirit is that of Hank Williams. Ryman Museum curator Joshua Bornenberg told the Tennessean, He was only in our building from 49 to 52, but for whatever reason, many, many stories revolve around him. The famed crooner died during his Opry Golden years and seems to have never left the building. He made his first appearance just days after his death in 1953. Whispering Bill Anderson, a fellow country musician, was spending some quiet time in the Ryman less than a week after his friend Hank had died of a heart attack, grieving by strumming one of Hank's songs on the guitar. Without warning, all electricity in the building went off. Whispering Bill took that as a sign that his friend was there with him. But when he asked, no one answered because he was whispering. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I would Hank, love is that cool. you? Yeah. Hank, Hank. Hank's like, I don't, are you talking to me? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I can't hear you. Tim Thompson's like, someone was whispering on stage. <laughs> you can't tell me it wasn't. I do love that a friend, that's like a great way to grieve. You know, if you, that, that music is how you feel closer to him. Mm -hmm. um, I don't love how the spirits would turn all the lights off on that place because it is huge and cavernous. And because I suppose people were tinier in the 1890s, the pews are like fairly close. It's also just very efficient. You can fit more seats in it. But walking with, in the light, side, side to side. Which I, is we, what we had to we do. We were like crawling, because they were setting up for a show, which is awesome to see. But we were like crawling one way, then we had to switch, we were crawling the other way. I was like, I would bust my ass if all the lights went out. <laughs> but I guess if you're a ghost, you're like, <laughs> Who was playing there tonight? Vance Joy. Yeah. Oh, somebody was like, I gotta go. Everyone's like, I show's been great. This. I gotta go. Vance is playing. Well, he's playing there tonight, so... Um, Yes, it was very cool yeah. seeing them set up. Years later, when the theater was under construction, Hank cropped up again. The Ryman celebrated its centennial in 1992 and underwent major renovations for the next two years. During these renovations, Hank made his presence known. This time he offered comfort to a workman who had locked himself in the auditorium after hours. When the man realized he was trapped inside, he went looking for an exit. According to Haunted Nashville, there, in the darkness of backstage, the man encountered the hazy impression of Hank Williams Sr. I just love it. It's just a misty, and he's like, good day, my friend. Are you feeling a little lost? 
I am. If I'm law, I mean, if I gotta come in contact with anybody to help me get out of, Hank, he's up there. He's top five. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's very helpful. It wasn't like, and the door was locked by the very ghost that he encountered. No. I mean, it was like, oh, fucked up. And he's like, don't worry, we've all done that from time to time. <laughs> Another construction worker was locking his tools away during remodeling, according to the Tennessean. He had let a door close behind him. Nobody knew what to do with doors back then. Well, I, I suppose if it's like during renovation, you're like, oh, there's not a lock on there. We've taken it off. And you're like, son of a bitch, it was the other door. Yeah. <laughs> he let a door close behind him and found himself locked in the room. Just then, he heard a Hank Williams song begin to play from nowhere. Just as the song ended, the door was unlocked and the knob turned easily. Hank Williams Sr., locksmith in the afterlife. <laughs> and mean, still, while you're like panicking, he's like, I'll sing you a song. Hey, good looking. And you're like, oh my God. Oh, thank you. I love this. Yeah, and uh, you know, I guess if word gets around that you're like, the doors are tricky, man. When you work on this job, you will get locked in somewhere. Remain calm. We have a procedure for this. Sit quietly. Hank Williams will sing to you. <laughs> you, you let him finish the song. He's got to finish the song. Door will unlock. You'll be good to go. It's like Cartman like, with right. Sail Away. He's got to finish the whole thing. <laughs> can't move on until he's finished it, so just sit tight. The door will stay locked. And then eventually you will get out. He's like, is this a union job? Or <laughs> Other employees have heard the faint sounds of Hank singing and looked center stage only to find a misty version of him playing to an empty hall. But Hank doesn't just spend time in the Ryman. One of his favorite haunts in life was the bar across the alleyway called Tootsie's Orchid Lounge. Visitors have reported seeing a ghostly figure resembling the cowboy singer walking from the Ryman over to his favorite watering hole. Whatever Tootsie's was like in 1949 to 1953, I would love to watch Hank Williams there today as I and Christy slept down the bushwhackers, and I jumped up and down and sang, save a horse, ride a cowboy. <laughs> yeah? Because despite some of the horrifying and nature of those lyrics, I know every fucking Shania word. Shania Twain got the crowd fucking hyped. So, except for the three Not guys. Not her. She wasn't there. It was she, a band. No. They sang her. It was great. It was if great. Shania had been there, good God, we wouldn't be here because we would have died. Everybody was hyped about Shania Twain except for the three guys in khakis and poles in front of us who stood. They're the ones that go on stage at the Ryman and they go smile and the guys go, no. <laughs> I won't. And they just stood still and everyone was like, man, I feel like it. And he just pulled his phone out and just filmed quietly. No expression. Unmoving expression. <laughs> he was like, what a lot of fun. I will film this and study it later. <laughs> I will watch this later. It was yes. great. And then it's a nice group of young ladies go, will you take a real tall picture of us? And I was like, what? And she goes, just from way up high. And I was like, oh, I'm five foot four. So <laughs> I walked over and I just like went tiptoe. <laughs> and then I took a bunch and I was like, was it tall enough? And she was like, and they looked and they went, yeah. And then I walked off and I saw them go, <laughs> and I was like, I'm five foot four. <laughs> and what does that mean? Will you take a tall picture? Will you take a real tall picture? I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I didn't I don't ask. Know. I don't it know was what very that loud. means. Yeah, no, I didn't know. They were definitely there. It's my birthday. Yeah, there was a lot, a lot of birthdays going on. We just, we realized it was either older couples or a group of young hot girls, a group of young hot guys that just this tension was palpable. But no one approached each other. Everybody was just in their little groups. 
I was like, hot people should get with hot people. You need to go. In my head, I was like, that guy needs to go over there and bang that girl because they are both very hot. And then you have hot children. Yeah, they're just brewing in their pants on the other side of the bar alone. I did want to. I did want to compliment the gentleman in the jean vest that had stars oh, and was, stripes. Yes, yeah. I was like, man, it's a good vest. And I was like, if I go up and poke someone on the shoulder and go, you have a really good vest. I don't. It, they could go two ways, and I don't want either of them. So I just thought it. I just told y'all about yeah. it. And I just they were also it. probably twenty-one. Yeah. So I would have loved to have seen it happen. They're like this. They're like, like ma'am. <laughs> How many bushwhackers have you had? I got, I got a half of one. It didn't take a bushwhacker for me to compliment a good-looking vest. <laughs> I know it when I see it. It was a good-looking vest. It was. It was a good-looking vest. There was also three different bands playing three different songs at the same time in the same bar. Yeah. Yeah. Which great. y'all are like, yeah, that's yeah, Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, that's Nashville, baby. <laughs> it's music um, city. But it was great because they, you... It didn't interfere. Like, you would just no. be up there, you heard that, then you went to the middle, you heard that, but you, no, no one uh, interfered with the other. No, it was all different vibes at each one. The one was like a young Garth Brooks kind of a groove. The other one, she was singing, she was Loretta, singing Loretta Lynn. Lynn. Yeah. And then, yeah, upstairs was Save a Horse Ride Again. Yeah. <laughs> they were, uh, yeah, it was 2 p.m. today, and she's like, who's drunk? Who loves to drink? And everyone's like, what? Including us. We're like, Yeah! <laughs> It's a weekday in the afternoon. We just had lunch. I don't know where everybody comes from. I know, it's great. It's a, it's a destination. My friend who used to live here told me, and y'all can tell me if this is true, that Nashville is the bachelorette party capital of so the world. So many heads nodding. Over Vegas. Over Vegas. I, okay. Yeah, for sure. First of all, look at this cool shirt I got yeah. here. You think I'm going to get this in Las Vegas? Fuck no. And it's also, like, way better than Vegas. Yeah. I'll say it on the air. I'll say it right now. Come at me, Vegas. Everyone come visit Nashville. You'll tell it's better. It it's is better. better, yeah. A thousand times but better. But I was, I was very surprised by that. But our flight here this morning was, that was what it was. There was uh, oh, a lot of parties. Lo- either bachelorette, birthday, or girls' trips. It and there like, were a lot of matching homemade t-shirts that let yeah. you know that they were on a girl's trip. Yeah. The uh, uh, girl's therapy trip, they, uh, we saw a lot of those. What did that lady in front of you go, she wears me out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she the was, woman in front of me on the plane, I loved her. I was like, I feel like that's me. Is that me? And she kept talking about a girl named Christy that was awesome. I was like, this, is, that, is, me. is that me? Are you here tonight? Me? Uh, no, and then she like reached in her bag and she's rifling around. She pulled out like five like celebrity trash magazines, and we were both like, "Hold the page longer." Yeah. <laughs> like, we read those. I wanted to be friends with them. Uh, it yeah. was a lot. It was a energetic eight a.m. flight. It was yes. <laughs> Everyone in full makeup. Just I was the windows bright open. They were like, "It's morning." <laughs> and I was like, "I just want to Nashville." Sleep. Yeah, we're coming from Raleigh. If that um, means anything to you, I don't. Please don't be beefing with Raleigh. I don't oh, know if we can go back no there no after beef. the controversial things that happened. Peaceful coexistence on yes. the other side of the mountain. They had all but nice things to say about y'all, oh, yeah. FYI. How could you not? Yes, exactly. One ghost that still likes to lend her voice to the hallowed halls of the Ryman is Patsy Cline. Security staff have reported hearing the haunting tunes of the famed songstress echoing in the empty building. They also report seeing the hazy figure of a woman wandering the Ryman's halls who just so happens to resemble the star. 
I imagine if someone screams encore, encore, encore at you so many times, you're like, they probably want another one. Yeah. Even in the afterlife. Just keep singing crazy over and over. But also, I'm going to go back to where I was appreciated the most. For sure. Mm-hmm. And especially if you know they want you there mm-hmm. and your, your shit is there. Yeah. Or your dresses are there. Yes. Your friend's dresses are there. Your friend is there. Your friend is there. Several of your friends are there. Yeah. Some fucking guy that's always watching in the rafters. You always have an audience. Yeah. Patsy, along with other country music greats, Hawkshaw Hawkins, Cowboy Copas, and Randy Hughes, died in a plane crash on March 5th, 1963. The group was returning to Nashville after having performed a show earlier that evening in Kansas City, Kansas. Hughes, who was also Patsy's manager, was piloting the small plane when it crashed after encountering dangerous dangerous weather 90 miles outside of Nashville in Camden, Tennessee. A young 30 years old at the time of her death, Patsy Cline had already become a regular at the Grand Ole Opry. A memorial was held at the Opry for her and the others that lost their lives in the fateful crash. Patsy loved country music and the Opry. Perhaps that's why she chose to never leave. And that's the thing back then. There was a lot of these plane crashes of small planes, and I think it gave... Especially with music legends that died. It's like a very efficient way to travel, but if you, I think the problem is not... The planes don't malfunction. It was a lot of very uh, overly confident or just being like, well, somebody has to fly and we have to go, instead of going, we have a lot of safety regulations and we need to worry about what we're doing. So I think small planes kind of get a bad rap, but a lot of times it's really, really bad weather mixed with just like circumstances of like, we're in a rush, we have to go, and it's a decision man, you can't go back on. I believe it was Hawkins that was not even supposed to fly on the plane. He was scheduled to fly in a commercial aircraft, but somebody else, another uh, musician, had a family emergency and had to like leave right away. And this was back when you could just give someone your plane ticket and they could use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he gave him his commercial flight and then he flew back on the, on the plane. Yeah, that's like you always say, it's like a sliding mm-hmm. doors moment where you're like, it could have been me. Yep. Hug. During the Grand Ole Opry's 31-year run at the Ryman Auditorium, countless iconic performances occurred. In addition to Hank Williams and Patsy Cline, 35 other performers met their fate in a gruesome fashion. The numerous deaths led to rumors that the Opry was cursed. David Stringbean Aikman was rumored to have fallen victim to the Opry curse after he and his wife met a grisly end. Best known for his role on the country-themed variety show Hee Haw and as a staple performer at the Grand Ole Opry, the Stringbean earned his nickname because of his signature attire. His trademark look, while he impressively plucked away at his banjo, was a long shirt tucked into his jeans that were belted around his knees. The outfit gave the illusion that he was a very tall man with very short legs, and it is still very funny to this day. <laughs> Great bit. I watched many String Bean YouTube videos. String Bean holds up. And he was incredible on the banjo. Yes. I mean, I'm like, I don't understand how people move their fingers that fast. It, it's, it's amazing. It's so hard to play, yeah. But I loved how everyone back then kind of had, and on Hee Haw, too, it was just these, like, simple characters that they mm-hmm. created, but they sold and everyone liked them because they were relatable and it wasn't pretentious or stuffy. And every, everyone that met him really loved him. And he was very humble, even though... He was a celebrity and mm-hmm. made decent money. He had grown up during the Great Depression, and I, just like my mama, she grew up during the Great Depression. Like she never really got over that. You know, oh, yeah, she, no, you, no, no. she would save everything. Yes, like, my nanny packets, was the same way. Like everything, wrapping paper. When we would have Christmas, she would like 
fold it because they grew up so poor they you yes. know you don't really ever um get used to that so you also probably don't trust banks and you don't no. know what to do with your money so then you just hide Stuff it in it. your house which always doesn't go well loved by all that knew him the country music community was shattered when Stringbean and his wife Estelle were shot and killed in their home after returning from a performance at the Opry on November 10, 1973. The two men that were arrested for the crime were cousins and had been waiting for the couple to return home to rob them. The Ryman, Opry, and Hee-Haw families were devastated. Hee-Haw left a memorial scarecrow on stage marking where Stringbean once stood to honor his memory. That's so sad and yeah. sweet. Both of Stringbean's killers were convicted. Doug Marvin Brown died in prison in 2003. His cousin, John A. Brown, was sentenced to two life terms. However, Tennessee megachurch pastor Maury Davis advocated on Davis's behalf, offering the man a job after his release, according to the Tennessean. The advocacy worked. Despite several Opry members opposing the release, John A. Brown was released from prison on November 4th, 2014. And this is a part of the story that uh, we learned today. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. We, um, when I was at the, we got our hair done before this so we could uh, look fab for y'all. And as I was sitting there reading the articles, uh, I went, oh, because as we'll get to. And she's like, you're, you're doing great. It's not you. I know, I know. I'm the woman that was doing my hair was like, are you all right? And I was like. It's a tale of murder and sin <laughs> and uh, greed. No stranger to the legal system himself, Pastor Davis was convicted of manslaughter in Texas after the brutal slaying of 54-year-old Joella Lyles. Lyles, a Sunday school teacher, was giving Pastor Davis and another man a tour of her son's home across the street that happened to be for sale. As Davis and Joella walked through the kitchen, she pointed out a can of paint left by some painters, according to Nashville Scene. It's not clear how, but Davis got paint on his leather cowboy boots. That, he later testified, caused him to snap. He stabbed Joella multiple times and inflicted such injury on her throat that she was nearly decapitated. After an effective defense, claiming the devil or insanity made him do it, Davis was convicted of manslaughter. When Texas prisons suffered overcrowding in the early 1980s, he was released after only serving eight and a half years in prison. This is where I started gasping because it's like someone tells you, ah, you know, I made a little bit of a mistake and you find out they embezzled $30 million. This guy's like, I had a little quick stint in prison. It's like, there were some technicalities that made it quick. That included a jury member who was like, devil talks to me all the time. <laughs> I shit you not. Like, it was like in this, this National Scene article. It's phenomenal. I highly recommend if you're interested in reading it, and we'll put it in the show notes. But it's, they said there was a particular jury member that the defense said, well, he's, he doesn't have a criminal record. Why would someone, why overpaint? Why would they snap and attack this woman? Unless who it was, was the devil. Yeah, and then he's like, maybe the devil did it. And this one jury member was like, yeah, devil tells me to do all kinds of stuff. And it was like the other jurors were clearly swayed by this shenanigans defense. <laughs> like, Pastor Davis honed his preaching skills in prison and used his story that he calls prison to priesthood to attract parishioners to his megachurch, Cornerstone Church, an Assemblies of God congregation in Madison, Tennessee. 
outfitted with a Starbucks-style coffee shop and a Maury Davis Ministries merch stand selling CDs and DVDs of his sermons. According to Nashville Scene, the church nets the pastor enough money to buy a million-dollar home in a gated community. Davis claims God has forgiven him and leaves many of the more brutal details of the slaying from his sermon. According to Irving, Texas police captain John Hooper, the good pastor also embellishes part of his arrest story, adding in high-speed chases and a drug addiction when there was no chase and only evidence of marijuana use. That was the other thing he tried to argue. He was like, I was, I was all jacked up on all kinds of drugs. And the police that searched his apartment, interviewed him at the time, was like, we found like a little baggie of weed only. Like, that does not make you do that. But the DVDs, he put the, the whole sermon on YouTube. The comments are turned off. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> I must be an error. And he, um, the congregation knows that he's done this. I think but if you didn't look into yeah, it, he doesn't give them the whole. He's like, I was in prison, yada yada yada. Now I'm a pastor. He yada 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 is over nearly decapitating a woman. Yes, for a little to no. I mean, I don't. There's no provocation. There's not. It's not like, well, I was in a bar fight with a guy that was bigger than me, and he smashed a champagne bottle no, and was coming he got at me. Paint on his boot. No. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. Little. Um, it's an interesting interpretation of events. It was also interesting how they ended up catching him. Oh, yeah. the What it was was so she was home, and she sees two guys kind of peeking in the window of her son's house and knowing it was for across sale. Across the street. Yeah, she goes across the street and says, oh, you know, what are you guys looking at? And they said, oh, well, is this for sale? And she said, yeah, let me walk you around. And so she and Davis go in the kitchen, and that's where the I don't paint. She mentions, hey, yeah, they left some paint cans. It's crazy. And then his version of events is that he just snapped, <clears throat> and then he attacked her horrifically and then what happened was he starts screaming shut the door shut the door shut the door well the other, the other guy the other guy that was with him slammed the door but not before the po- the post office uh, worker was walking by and was like the fuck's going on in there and like looked in and saw the guy like scrambling around shutting the door he heard some noises and the postal worker wrote on his hand Cadillac and he wrote the license plate number on his hand so then later when officers you know her body was discovered by her son officers come to the scene they're like well who maybe heard something and they asked the police uh, the post office worker and he's like oh yeah yeah I actually happened to write that down and he had transposed some numbers so it they took a little bit of searching and they Without incident, maybe like 24 hours later, went and arrested him at his girlfriend's house. They searched his house first, and of course the roommate was like, we got weed in here, man. Get out of here, you scumbags. And they're like, well, we don't fucking care about your weed. Someone was murdered. And the roommate was like, do what you got to do, man. Which, like, fun fact, they're allowed to, like, give consent to a search of your property. And so they went and arrested him. So, yeah, the whole version of, like, I was in a high-speed chase, and I was all juiced up on drugs. It's like, that's not quite, according to the Irving police captain that is willing to give interviews about it and was, like, very disturbed by it. Not really what happened, but... You get, you get your own version on the DVD when you pay you $29.99. So. Yeah, that's true. Yes. In an interview with Nashville Scene, Captain Looper remarked of the pastor's violent act and redemption story. I got to tell you, I don't know whether he's converted or not, whether God reached down and took him by the hand. I mean, I'd like to think that he did, but any way you add it up, it was one of the most brutal things I ever saw. And, I mean, people are have longer sentences for traffic tickets. People have longer sentences for marijuana possessions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, as if this man also possessed marijuana. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, definitely a situation where it was like a confluence of events that caused him not to get, 
I charged properly. I mean, I guess he had a really good defense. Then you have this juror that's like rogue putting this devil story in the overcrowded prisons. And he was able to just, and the son of Joella said, you know, it's one thing to me if you say, listen, I feel called to the Lord. I totally believe that. And if you want to say this is there before the grace of God goes, I like you should go out and spread your message. But he's like, but then you look at it's like a giant money maker, and it makes me mm-hmm. sick to my stomach because all that is built on the murder of his mom. And of course, if it's if you're the perpetrator and you go like, I just really want to forget about that part of my life. That's not who I am anymore. It's like, well, the person whose mom you killed is like not going to forget about that. Mm-mm. So I really appreciate you sharing that story with us because mm-hmm. uh, it was I, again. I was really going oh oh at the at the dry bar mm-hmm. so. at the dry bar. <laughs> And I was can't. watching um, Love, Love and Basketball, basketball. <laughs> while this was going on. It's a good film. Um, yeah, because it was, it was on the TV right in front of me. To be fair, they made you take your glasses off. They did. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I couldn't really watch TV either. I was just staring, honestly, and the TV was in front of me. I can't see anything if I'm... Had, I, all the time, she'll be like, does this look okay? And I'm like, I can't see anything. If I'm like... <laughs> I like Ella's always like, why do you wear glasses? Because I would run into everything all the time <laughs> if I didn't. I want glasses. You'll probably wear them. Because your dad and I both do. So there's a good chance that your eyes are also Do fucked. the square and you can tell if she needs glasses or not. What's the square? The Punnett square is oh, always good. Does that work for glasses too? Well, it's like genetic traits as you, in uh, science class in like seventh grade. Maybe. I remember mm-hmm. nothing of school. <laughs> of, of anything. That's why I always say, I never say, I wasn't taught that in school. I'm like, I didn't learn that in school. Probably because I was talking. <laughs> like 100% they taught it to me but I was from No, talking. yeah. I don't I didn't retain anything. The same month the Opry mourned the losses of Patsy Cline, Hawkins, Copas and Hughes who were killed after their plane crash in a Denton's forest in Camden. Ruby Agnes, better known as Texas Ruby, also suddenly died. Ruby had become a pioneer in the country music industry after a Kansas City radio station heard her sing in Fort Worth, Texas in the mid 1930s. She married fellow musician Curly Fox in 1939. Shortly thereafter, the couple was invited to be members of the Opry. Shout out to Fort Worth, my, uh, my hometown. Yeah. Oh, are you from Fort Worth? Yeah. All Look right. Yeah. What high school did you go to? Well, in Memphis. Okay. Transplant. Fort Worth uh, transplant. Okay. You were born in Fort Worth and then gotcha. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. We'll forgive uh, you. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, she was the the story was she was riding in the back of a pickup, which is very Fort Worth, just down the street oh, singing. Man, do and a Kansas City radio station exec had his windows down in his car and hurt. This is how people got famous back then. You were just like walking around doing hey, whatever. You want to hey, be a star? Yeah, come to come to the Grand Ole Opry, uh, and that's and that's how it happened. On March 29th, 1963. Curly was appearing at the Opry. Ruby, who had cut back on performing by this time, had stayed home. Sadly, she fell asleep while smoking a cigarette and perished in the ensuing fire. Even after the Opry found a new home in 1974, the curse didn't seem to break. Virginia Lampkin, author of a blog post titled Haunted Ryman Auditorium, said that the dark cloud of death seemed to follow the Grand Ole Opry, even after it relocated to its larger location across the city. Lampkin says that since then, an additional 14 acts have died that once performed on the Grand Ole Opry stage. Lampkin reasons the continuation of the curse 
could be because a large portion of the original Ryman stage was removed and installed in the new venue. That could be it. I think spirits attach themselves to things. This was uh, very, and, and if you've toured the Ryman, like, standing in the circle is like a big thing, and that's where they take your picture and everything, and that's the original wood, but... I didn't know. I think, was it 2010 you guys had a terrible flood here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, the and the entire auditorium, like everything was ruined in there and underwater, including the stage, but that uh, that wood was the only thing that didn't get damaged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Suck on that, Harry Houdini. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real magic, yeah. <laughs> After the stable show of the Grand Ole Opry moved to a new location, the Ryman became in danger of being lost to abandonment. With the help of local preservationists, the magnific- magnificent space was restored and reopened in 1994. For a while, it was at, um, what was y'all's theme park? Opryland? Was that fun? Yeah. yeah. Sounds fun. I, I, I was like park. bummed that it was closed, that it closed, because we like a good theme park. I love theme parks. Mm-hmm. We really want to go to Dollywood. Like, so bad. Yeah. Real bad, real bad, bad. Yeah, I um, I said earlier that Nashville is better than Las Vegas, and Las Vegas has a roller coaster. Doesn't matter, still better, still better. What is the roller coaster? At the New York, New York. Oh, well, they Hot. just have one roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. In yeah, but it's not a, it's not a, it's not a theme park. Now you're trying to. She's she's guilty. She feels bad. She oh, should talk Vegas. I feel nothing about Vegas. <laughs> Well, I think we're supposed to have a show there on our next tour, so... Now it's my turn to get booed. <laughs> uh, well, we had a fantastic time visiting there today and an even more fantastic time visiting uh, Third Man Records. It was incredible. We've enjoyed our time so much here. It's been so good. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, when we went today, it was very crowded. Because, not really crowded like wall-to-wall folks, but it was bustling at the Ryman. And so I think if you were there, absolutely, if you're there late at night in and the lights are down or the lights are completely off mm-hmm. there's going to be some creaks and pops but also like Tim Thompson said you if you can the acoustics are so good in there that I think no matter where you're at if there was anything going on on the stage you absolutely would hear it and so things like that where people say you know I saw a visage or I heard something or Hank Williams saved me from locking myself in the meat closet or whatever like I there's no way to say that didn't happen. And we are, um, I won't say like a professional ghost hunters now, but we are, <laughs> we were taken under the wing of a paranormal investigations group in Raleigh who we're very obsessed with now called the Ghost Guild. They're on the front of my uh, laptop. Got a good, you know me, I get some, I'm like, sticking it on, stick it, I don't even think about it. Uh, but they were saying that you know, they use a lot of like scientific methods to test Certain, to debunk stuff. You know, or like debunk stuff or try to explain it. Like you hear a sound and it's like, oh, that guy's phone was actually under the stage playing a Hank Williams song. Like that's why you thought you heard that. But they also concede that certain people, you can't discount their experiences that they've had. Mm-hmm. So if you have the employee who was let out of the locked-in room because of the Hank Williams song, I mean, that's not something that you can go, that didn't happen. And he's like, God damn right it did. <laughs> Hank Williams saved my life that day. Um, so, you know, things like that. I like hearing stories of personal experiences because I mm-hmm. think those are always, again, you can't, Harry Houdini, <laughs> you can try all day long to say everybody's a charlatan, but I think if it's something that someone closely believes, then who are we to say that it's bullshit? And especially a magician can't say it's yeah, bullshit. Not beefing with Harry Houdini. Turns yeah, out. I, yeah, turns it out. happens. Turns she, out. <laughs> she found someone to beef with. I always end up beefing. 
Today, the Ryman Auditorium continues to draw audiences from around the world as both a museum and music venue. Musical artists considered a crowning achievement to perform at the Ryman, playing on the same stage as so many legends before them. The auditorium was officially declared a National Historic Landmark on January 3, 2001. During the ceremony, Congressman Bob Clement said, If I could pick one structure that truly embodies our country music heritage, it would have to be the Ryman Auditorium. In October, country music fans and paranormal enthusiasts come together to explore the historic venue during the Ryman's Haunted History Tours. Hear spooky stories, stand in the iconic circle of wood, and see a rare glimpse into the underbelly of Nashville's favorite stage. They literally take you under the stage, so you get to see all that. If you're lucky, they may not, that might not be all you see. Keep your eyes peeled for a man in gray sitting all alone in the auditorium's balcony, and your ears open for the unmistakable sounds of Patsy Cline and Hank Williams Sr. So what do we think? I, uh, I, again, if you are putting people's stuff that I think they imbued with a lot of feeling, especially... It's an invitation. It's an invitation, and for both performers, for Patsy Cline and Hank Williams, they were, like, cresting the precipice of their careers. Like, they were so beloved... Who knows what kind of amazing music they would have made had they lived, and they were both they both died so suddenly, so mm-hmm. unexpectedly that I think that would leave some sort of resonant energy behind. And again, if you have everyone speaking their name all the time, you have literal I won't say shrines, but you have a form with his suit on it. You have a like form with her dress on it, things like that. You're inviting. I think you can invite energy in. And I, when we walked in, I loved it. There was a poster on the wall um, that it's you know it's like a poster for the Ryman itself and it says all are welcome Ryman Auditorium and I was like everyone even ghosts are welcome <laughs> <laughs> I was like mm-hmm. even the ghosts and then are I started welcome. looking around at other people's dresses like Dolly and Reba and Miley Cyrus and I was like when you guys die <laughs> you're gonna be here and that's gonna be the most badass place to be after and like you said, like, all that and you said like it's where people had some of their most amazing memories especially like, when you're so young and you yes. haven't made a ton of memories like and the best things that happened in your life were, were there. Then At that point, is like a I pinnacle. I would want to stay there. And, if, and you remember, she remembers that energy of three encores and everyone mm-hmm. cheering her name and screaming for her. I think you're, if you were killed in a tragic way, if, you know, if we believe in an afterlife, I certainly believe in the paranormal and, and ghostly things. And so I think that would be, you know, I would probably haunt, oh, Zanies, Nashville, or somewhere. So y'all watch out. Uh, but you haunt, I think you would, You're your haunting your enemies, I thought. Something. Yeah, well, that's true. I, no, I want my ashes to be that's blown right. in the eyes of my enemies. That's what it was, yes. <laughs> and yeah. be like, there's a message from Heather. <laughs> and they're like, oh! <laughs> they're like, gotcha. Pocket she body. Keeps, <laughs> she keeps, uh, Sorry she keeps you, the, the list. Thorough. Um, yeah. I do have a list, absolutely. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think that there's... I felt a good energy when we walked in there. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it seemed pleasant. And to just stand in a room where so many legends have stood before, it was like we all, where we went in Raleigh, too. It was kind of the same thing. Like, to touch the wood that other people have touched. I think there's... Uh, it's really important to preserve that history. So, and what we've said, like, all day about y'all city that's different from others that we visit is, like... Every, you don't like just bulldoze stuff. You're like, we're going to keep this building and like turn it into something else. So there's so much like history and architectural history that's just, you lose that in a lot of places. And I think it's really important to like have ties to your past so we don't forget that. So I love stuff like that. Yeah, and we love, that's what, one of the things we loved about Third Man Records is like, this wood was reclaimed from a bowling alley or this was taken for or gifted and not, not just 
throwing stuff out. And maybe it is that if you have a bunch of folks that, you know, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s that moved here that were like, you don't know what shit was like in the Great Depression. Don't throw that away. <laughs> don't bulldoze that building. It's a perfectly good building. And my nanny was the same way. Of like somebody was throwing a couch out on the side of the road. She's like, what's wrong with that couch? Is that bed bugs? Is it what's wrong? Who somebody somebody piss on that couch? It's fine. It'll I mean, out. any of those Bring things could have happened. Yeah. So let's leave it there. Nope. Bring it inside. So <laughs> you might have that feeling of like appreciating what you have, gratitude, and like. Especially when you have beautiful structures like the Ryman, God forbid anything happened to it. Like, mm-hmm. thank God it has been preserved. And I think that's what I like about when we cover buildings that were built, you know, way, way back when, is you are that energy, no matter if you believe in spiritual energy or just like physical energy, that we were in the room where all of these mm-hmm. iconic things happened. Like, we got to sit in the pews and touch that wood of, that sounds like I was jerking off the yeah. gray man. I was not. <laughs> I would, but I didn't. I am inviting him to join me. Um, but, but you feel that kind of like energy that, like you said, has a good vibe and a buzz. And I just love that. Yeah. All are welcome. A buzz I love is that. a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is the end of our topic. But if you've been to a live show or you've heard our live shows, you know that's not the end of the show. We have a round of applause if you are one of our Patreon members. Oh. Well, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for that. I've never seen a more fitting shirt for your badge than now. That's perfect. Oh, my. Um, Well, we do a bit on our Patreon, for those that aren't familiar, called Judge Christie. I'm the judge. My uh, ruling is global. My jurisdiction knows. Fell off the badge floor. All my rulings are final. You cannot appeal anything. Um, And Heather is my bailiff and my law clerk. So um, what we are going to ask from you guys in a minute is if you have a small grievance, and our only rule is no bummers, bummers. um, we're going to call on you. You have to shout out, I have a grievance, and then someone will bring you a microphone. And uh, tell us in just a few uh, words what your grievance is. If we need more information, we'll ask you, and we will rule on the decision and it's final and you cannot appeal no matter how much you don't agree and please don't boo um you can boo i'm just kidding raleigh was great i literally have no hard feelings Uh, i just love the energy yeah i like the passion it was very passionate passionate. because it's just as much as they booed they screamed yeah they They roared it was fantastic Uh, heather likes to get us started with a a grievance um while your brains are kind of working into we just get a little peek into her pettiness, too. Um, this one is inspired by, I watched uh, one of those, I don't know if it's GQ or Vanity Fair, where they interview celebrities about or actors about their most famous roles. Mm. And they interviewed Mike Myers, and they mm-hmm. showed a clip from Austin Powers, and he was explaining the importance of, like, his dad was in, like, loved comedy and yada yada, but he talks about that he really loved, like, Burt Bacharach, and so Burt Bacharach's in the movie. And if you will recall, and as a kid, it just kind of, I didn't really care. But in the movie, he's on, they're on, like, the, I guess it's like a truck driving through the city. And he and Vanessa are sitting there while Burt Bacharach plays. And if you all are the camera, and he's talking to Vanessa, he turns to the camera and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach. Mm -hmm. And now, as an adult, I was like, why are you fucking looking at the camera? Mm. You didn't like him breaking the fourth wall? So my... I would say grievance is, or I would like your ruling on it. I think breaking the fourth wall in movies and TV shows 
should be done like never except maybe if it's perfect but otherwise never so you're saying mike myers did not execute it perfectly the rest of the movie is just like no i'm kidding i haven't rewatched it and i don't want to because the memory of it is like so warm to me that i was like if it doesn't hold up it's gonna it's gonna taint it'll ruin it yeah no i'm not trying to get tainted by austin powers so i am my (laughs) all that body hair is amazing um just the clips in that i was like groovy baby yeah, there's. I can't. I can't. The, you would it love it though, because the interviews with him. He's like, he's like so Canadian, and he's uh, like, I love oh, him. Working with Beyonce. Oh man, it was un- it was incredible. And like Michael Caine was like, she's got it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, she's got it. <laughs> so that was like early They're days. They're all Beyonce. right. They're all right. Uh, they were so right. So my argument, Your Honor, if I may get a ruling that I mm-hmm. think that no one should ever break the fourth wall ever, except for maybe only if it's perfect, and you should only do it very judicious but otherwise never. <laughs> um, I mean, that's a, you've given yourself a loophole to allow it to happen, so I think that I can rule in favor of this because I'm not really ruling against it. I don't know. I don't want to bring up the one beef we have on the show. Is this about Fleabag, Heather? <laughs> she talks to the camera! I know! I know! Enough people! Boo me! Bring it on! <laughs> I love it. (laughs) Was this your passive-aggressive way of talking about Fleabag but through Austin Powers? Okay, well, I have a ruling. I sure do. First of all, round of applause if Fleabag was fantastic. Thank you very much. Heather gave, she admits... Five, not even five minutes, and Paris has uh, concurred that they did not even watch it for five minutes before she made him turn it off. You gotta watch at least an episode. Yeah, that's season two. You gotta get to the hot priest. If I want pictures of hot priests, I'll go to my Google search history and click on my purple link of pictures of hot priests. Um, I am going to, I think, uh, because I think Fleabag was so amazing... I am in favor of, because she did perfectly execute when she talked to the camera and did it judiciously. So I think I will rule in favor that, yes, you were correct, but also that Fleabag was wonderful. Boom! So Fleabag well, I falls can't appeal under it. Your, your category there. I can't appeal it. No. Oh, okay. we got one right here. And uh, just tell us your name and pronouns, please. I'm Kate. I'm Katie from Kansas City, Missouri. She, her, hers. Hi, Katie. Um, so, I also toured the Ryman today at the Country Music Hall of Fame. Hey. Nice. And at the Country Music Hall of Fame, all of the mannequins where they have these fancy dresses and clothes that the people were wearing are very, very small. Mm-hmm. Not representative of how uh, these people actually were size-wise. Interesting. The only one, they have one big girl. And... I, my grievance is they should have more accurate depictions. Who were the people that were, because I was shocked at how, because they were their actual dresses at the Ryman, and I, like, it was like, this is the dress Dolly Parton wore when she uh, performed with Kenny Rogers, so that's how small she really was, which was shocking to me well, that she, she was like, that tiny. Uh, like Toby Keith's clothes, and Toby Keith's like a big dude, mm-hmm. yeah. but it was all pinned on the mannequin. Ugh. Oh, so the mannequins aren't the right size. The mannequin mannequin wasn't right Toby Keith's size. size. I don't yeah. want to see They're some... They're not the right height or width. Yeah. It's a cursed skeletal Toby Keith. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm encouraging body positivity in the country music hall of fame. And just like yeah. accuracy. <laughs> and accuracy. 100%. Yeah. It, Give it, Toby Keith the meat he's got. It's not, this isn't Dillard's. These are real people that we all Dillard's, know what they look like. It's so you gotta have them be the right size. If, my, if somebody's hanging my clothes up and it's um, like a tiny little thing, I'm like, that's not what I look like. Put some big old titties in an ass on that thing. What, Dillard's? <laughs> oh, I think I heard it back there. Well, I heard a lot, but um, I will leave it up to who has the microphone. Perhaps you heard it first. I'm out. Dillard's got <laughs> you. Me, man. This isn't Dillard's. <laughs> it was the first hey. apartment store I thought so of. Hi. What's your name and pronouns? My name is Michaela. I'm she, her. Michaela? Yes. Okay. It's like Michaela, but my mom decided to get fancy with it. Michaela and Haley, don't try to decide between the two. Mush them together. Yeah, yeah. I guess the epidural was real good. Okay, so this is my grievance. It's not even a grievance. I just don't know if I should. I think I can cuss, right? I For don't sure. want to sound like a bitch around my family. <laughs> um, so my I sister, always sound like a bitch around my family. In her own so, my sister just got engaged. I am so happy for her. She's dated this guy for like seven years. But my grievance is that she just graduated from her undergraduate career. She just graduated. And he proposed on her graduation day. Uh-uh. I, I have feelings about this. Yeah. And I he just, stole her thunder. Thunder Steeler stole her graduation thunder. It's like people who propose when someone finishes a marathon. Uh-huh. I'm like, this is your day. First That's of all, happened? never finished a marathon. But no, you see it, and it's like, do you know how fucking hard that is? Also, people shit their pants when they're doing that. Right, right. You don't have to be and running a marathon to do that, just that why. <laughs> he had it already? He's had the ring since December, and he proposed uh, in May. Uh, and I was like, you had January Christmas? Christmas. Five and a half months. You had so Easter. many holidays that you could have made this a thing. Hide it in an Easter egg. Hide it in an Easter egg. Exactly. That's what Paris Or just pick a random day. Also it doesn't that. have to be on a and other holiday. Exactly. And I just kind of told my mom, and I was like, I don't like that he proposed on yeah. her day. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, no, you don't need to feel that way. I was like, I do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one, I can feel however I yeah. want. Yeah. And I, I, I can. Just, how did your sister feel? Bless her. I think she was just really excited to get engaged. Yeah. She didn't feel like he uh, stepped on her toes. No, but I'm overprotective, and I. Well, kinda... that's very sweet. Are you the older sister? I am. I'm the older yes, sister. Yes, of course. Well, yeah. I, I get that. I, uh, I, I have always thought it was, um, like, I'm a fan of just like. Something can just be on a regular day. You don't have to, like... Yeah. It's not a hat on a hat. Like, don't... If anyone got engaged on Christmas, I think that's beautiful. Oh, my friend got engaged on Christmas. These people right here. Yes, they got engaged on Christmas. That is wonderful. And that is wonderful. And um, that's all I had to say about that. This is, like, that time... <laughs> I'm scared after last no, night. No, no, no. When we were hanging out and you were like, it's like so weird to me when people meet up with someone that they went to high school with like years later and then end up getting married. That's like so weird. And I was just like, my sister who's five feet away from you 100% did that. And I was like. And, and Shannon like, just watched, just laughed, just sat there listening to me the whole time. And afterwards she goes, that's how Aaron and I met. So. 
I was like, but it's great. It's awesome when it, it happens. Um, so, yeah, but I can see your point. Like, I, I can see both sides. It's a happy day. Your family's around. You want to share with everybody, and that's a good time to do it. But I also can see the side of let it be that day and then do it the next day. Do it the day after she exactly. graduates. You could have waited 24 damn hours. Yes. Your yes. Honor, if I may, I believe that there's a distinction in the case law based on the holidays we're discussing because Christmas, you don't really accomplish anything. You just wake up and the gifts are there. Sometimes, maybe. Or Easter just was Easter and it doesn't matter your birthday. Mm, it's fine. It's your birthday, whatever. We all got born. Congrats. But something like a marathon, a graduation, passing well, the bar. hard to achieve something. Yeah, I think in that case, yeah. it is, it's not comparable because it's, it, it is, it's similar in that it is a day that already has a meaning to it. But in that case, I think I, for what it's worth, think that you're right to have that gut level feeling yeah. of like, the fuck man, she worked on this and now you want to be like, listen, listen the graduation's important, but hang on just a second I have someone to say, listen uh, uh, your name's McKaylee so is her name Hala? Her name is Kara Carol? Kara Oh, okay Carol would have been great. It's just Carol. Uh, but you know, it's like, Carol, I know you work so hard, and I just want to disregard all that and just say that I love you very So I think his heart's probably in the right place because I guess you figure the family's all gathered and it's mm -hmm. a monumentous occasion. But when it's. And he's but a sweetheart. And he's sweet. Yeah, and I think you can be irritated with someone's actions and not necessarily condemn them wholly as a person. Mm -hmm. So be on irritated. Facebook, it's like everyone's congratulating her, and I'm like, wait a second. Are you congratulating her that she finished confusing. four years of college or she's about to be a wife? Yeah, they need to, you, you, well, that's a whole other grievance. You have to uh, say what you're congratulating. You can't yeah, right. just throw out a blanket congratulations. Because, <laughs> well, they're probably like, well, this covers it all. But it also is confusing. So you need to, but then if they're like, congratulations on your graduation, and then you're like, uh, do they not? Are they not happy she's engaged? Congratulations on your See, accomplishment. See, he's created a whole problem now that involves social media, and so it's it's beyond us. I will say, Tommy was going to propose when we went on a family trip to San Diego because my mom and middle brother always turn like milestone birthdays four days apart. So like she turned sixty, he turned thirty. So that was the thing that we went, but Tommy didn't do it because he didn't want to like overshadow the birthday trip. So that is thoughtful. Yeah. Also, thoughtful when you propose person. on uh, the graduation, you've now robbed them of two sets of congratulatory gifts. You could have cleaned up with the graduation True. money, wait two, three weeks, then you get engaged, and then you're like, we're having an engagement party now, too. Yeah. Well, well lesson learned. I. What is the what is the thing I'm ruling? She allowed on? to feel that way. Oh yes, you're allowed yeah. to feel any way you want. Yes, and everyone's allowed to get engaged whenever they like, especially on Christmas. <laughs> uh, I heard. I think I heard There's it there. Something over here. Hi, my name is Nikki. She, her. What was your name? Nikki. Hey, Nikki. Nikki. Yes. First of all, I've got to say that my husband's amazing because. Well, this has to do with the story. Uh -oh. But my best friend, who has been my best friend since we were eight, decided three years, three days ago to ghost me, and she was supposed to be my date for tonight. And so, uh -huh. yeah, I haven't heard from her since three for three days. And then she finally texted me today and was like, "Oh, I got called into work live." 
because I know where she works and I know who her manager is. And she's like, no, she didn't get called into work. Uh oh. So, Fact checking. Yeah. So. Uh, but your husband came in, in her place. As much he's not a true crime fan, but he braved it, and so. Thank I'm you ready. for your bravery. Thank you so much for <laughs> coming to see us. Thank you. So I guess my grievance is. Should I confront her about it, or should I just let it go and pretend that I don't know that she wasn't at work? So you've been friends since you were eight. Yes. That's a long, I don't, I mean, you're an adult. Whatever age you are, that's a long time. It's more than five years. Yeah, more than probably ten. Yes. More than maybe twenty? Maybe not. Okay. Um, It's irrelevant, but, uh, so... You invited her. She said yes, and three days ago, she just, you were talking about it, and then she, like, never got back to you? Yeah, I mean, we've been planning it since the day that you announced Well, the I'm beefing show. with her now. <laughs> so, the day that you announced the Nigel show, I was like, I want to go, and she's like, I want to go, too, so. Yeah, Is she a listener? So, yes. What's that? I didn't give her name, but she'll figure it out. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, we'll figure it out, too. This we're, are, uh, we're detectives, if you don't know that, so we'll figure it out. Uh, we'll, we'll stay. You we'll have no list. idea what we did a few weeks ago to fi- find something out about something that someone said. So, uh, I'll hunt you down. I was very vague, but if I could go into details, everyone would be very impressed. I'll just say, if we were on the first 48, we solved it in half that amount of time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> We slept for part of that time, yeah. too. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I definitely think you should ask her what happened, because you've been friends forever, and it's clearly bothering you enough to talk about it now. They called the cops on um, you, so... Do you have an idea of what ahead. happened? I have no idea. I don't know. I know she... I mean, she's a, she works for a um, nursing home, so I know she does get busy, and I know... Of course, everybody's short-staffed these days, so maybe she was just really tired and didn't want to tell me and didn't want to hurt my feelings, but... Do you think that she stopped liking the show? No. <laughs> no. Do you, you don't think it was Is it about? Uh, it might be about us. Is maybe it it's us and not you. No. It's Heather. It's <laughs> personally me. Well, up until the... Get a lot of complaints. Week, we literally talk to each other every week about the episode, so... Oh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So. Well, that's so sad. Yeah, then you've got to ask her what's going on. you got to get screenshots, audio recordings. You make a PowerPoint. You invite her over. She thinks it's a potluck. There's no one else there. It's I, just you. I There's no pot. There's a screen. There's a PowerPoint. You're like, do you want to watch a movie? Maybe Fleabag. Gotcha, bitch. Bam. And it's a PowerPoint. You should watch Fleabag because it's fucking great. And that'll probably bring your friendship back together because I'm not going to get into the plot of it in case no one's watched it, but you should watch it together. Um... I was going to go a different approach and say you should come at it from a place of I miss you and I want to know what's going on because uh, I love you as a friend. Um, Heather comes from a place of destruction Get and vengeance. Get him. Um, revenge. <laughs> automatic revenge. Because she could have given someone the benefit of the doubt before, yeah. like, we're all innocent until proven guilty in this country. But not really. In this, in the Judge Christie's court, we are. In this court, you are though. So, um, yeah, I would uh, first of all tell her you missed a fucking great show. So that's on you. And then second, ask her why. And then third, email us. Yeah. And if, tell 
us why. If it's about us, we'd like to know. Uh, <laughs> even if it's not, I still, I would still I like to know, but especially if it is about us. Um, but yeah, for sure talk to her, because that's your bestie, and it's, it's obviously hurting you. So, And thank you, husband, Thanks, for, husband. for stepping in. That's a good husband. Thank you. Shouting. Loud there's noises. directly in front of me. Oh, yeah, there's I like see a, several hands right in front. There, there's um, a leaping situation. Don't worry, we have time, Sorry, guys. I really had to fight for that. Um, <laughs> My goodness. So first, I just wanted to say um, our best friend, Shauna, was supposed to be here tonight. She emailed you all a while back about the Way Down cult that you covered. She was in it, and she wanted to say how much she loves you and appreciates what Aww, you were so kind about thank it. Thank you. you. And she'll hear this a couple weeks from now. She is actually sick. So oh. No. Yeah, she really wanted to be I remember here. that email, so yeah, tell her thank absolutely. you. And so are you. Um, Thank so you. So my grievance is that my boyfriend broke up with me back in January for seemingly no reason after three years. For um, what reason? Seemingly. seemingly no reason. Oh, seemingly He's having no. his own issues, and that's like fine in case he listens to this. We'll pretend he has a stand here. So anyway. Um, <laughs> He's not here. If he wanted to defend he himself, if he wanted to defend himself, he'd have the decency to buy a ticket and show up. Yeah. So. Right. Right. It's very personal. So anyway, um, and he wanted to continue to live in the house uh, that we own together with me until like March of this year, as if we were still together because he like wasn't ready yet. And we split up all of our furniture, all of our belongings, and he now has my passport, my old phone with all of my like art and materials on it because I like do art freelance sometimes. Why does um, he have those? And because I left it in a dresser drawer and told him immediately, I was like, hey, this stuff is over at your place. Can you give it back to me? And he was like, sure. Well, he's been ghosting me, and it's been like three weeks now, and I'm ready to show up on his doorstep, and I just need permission for yeah. you guys to do that. Yeah, permission. Bring some homegirls with you. Yeah, take some friends. Put some rocks and socks. <laughs> don't do that. Don't, you don't got to swing him, but you just be like, oh, what's this? Oh, it's a lock in a sock and a rock in a sock? And you're like a Dr. Seuss yeah, book I here. I guess we're in the I 1950s. Like, I don't know where that came from, honestly. I've never heard talk about rocks in a sock. If you're backing up your girl at a confrontation, you don't go empty-handed. <laughs> and my knife got confiscated recently from TSA. That's true. So. They did. That did, yeah. We're all wondering why. Have they all been there? Um, but yeah, I yeah. Just, go get your I stuff back. I've been really patient up until this point, and I'm, I'm. The patience has run out. So. A passport? That's a bitch passport. to go get. I yes. Know, right? And I that's... just got it this year um, for a trip that I had to cancel because of him. So I feel like it's even more fair. So. What happened? Someone said if you reported it stolen, that's a good point. Ooh. You can maybe do. I uh, lawyers love demand letters. Lawyers love a good demand letter. So a demand text could be like, dear so and so. As we've previously discussed, you have X, Y, Z of my property. You've admitted to having my property. You allegedly said in this text dated this day, my badge fell on the ground. But on this text, on this date, you have agreed to return it to me. If you don't return it by X date, I will be forced to file a police report and use your text messages as evidence. Please let me know if you'd like me to proceed. Also... I am not a Tennessee lawyer, despite this very snazzy shirt. But also, I hope this is what all the Tennessee lawyers wear. Court around some here. other jurisdictions wear the powdered wigs. A Tennessee lawyer's got fringe on his shirt. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sure exactly what the laws are. But you might check into it, and he, for his covering his own ass, might check into it. If you have somebody's ID and you won't give it back, yeah. that may be like some type of your that's a bit Identity like a, theft or something. It bumps up to like yeah, it's not like simple theft of like items less than $50, it would be like uh, you, having someone's like do identity documents or something like that. So get his ass. And then if that doesn't work, get a big sock, fill, fill it with a bunch of rocks, and go over to his house, 
and threaten him with that I didn't weird say weapon. Threaten it. You don't threaten. I would never say threaten. You just hold it. I keep my rocks and socks. Where do you keep your rocks? The ground. My yard. We all live different lives. My front yard. Uh, I hope you get your stuff back and tell your friend thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I got the rematch. Yeah. Pink shirt. Oh, wait. Pink shirt. Okay. Pink shirt right is here. on fire. Her friend stood up. Fire. Just that was a. Uh, that was such support, and I appreciate it. They were they were pulling for me. Well, they you they won. Good, so good job. My name is Sierra. She, Hi, her. Sierra. Thank you, Sierra. And my grievance is with wedge salads. Oh, <laughs> I love this because I have I beef with wedge went salads to a fancy too. Restaurant with my amazing husband. Hi. They're perusing the menu, mm-hmm. and they are trying to give me ingredients for twenty five dollars. I feel like wedge salads are lazy. Mm-hmm. And who is eating this? How are they eating it? Are they chopping it as soon as they get it? I hate them. I hate them. Wedge salads are garbage. It's not a salad. You just chopped a fucking head of lettuce in half and threw it on a plate and drizzled ranch and bacon bits on it. It is not a salad. It should not be called a salad. It should be called lettuce. Ingredients. Ingredients that you have to do for yourself. I am yeah. tired of going to fancy Yes, all steakhouses do this. Why? I don't know. Give us the iceberg watery lettuce with the ranch drizzle. That's what we I mean, want. Oh, yeah. Caesar. My, my steak for me, too. But yeah. Like, yeah. At, at the very least, at least my salad. I don't want a salad I have to use a knife on. Thank That's you. bizarre. It's a fork-only okay. meal. So, so my grievance says that wedge salads are lazy and awful. Yes, I agree, and they should be banned. Thank you. Sorry if you like. Also, why do they always have blue cheese on them? Are you are you pro wedge? What's happening over here? Cause you're. Okay. She sounds like if she doesn't give it to us, then she will collapse. Please hand her the mic. It also has to do with wedge salads. Oh my god. What what's okay. yours? Technically, it's two. Two grievances. Or two, it, one wedge salad is two salads. <laughs> so I work for a company that manages a steakhouse, and we do sell wedge salads. And then <laughs> she hey, just works there. Get those off the menu. Be the change. There. Be the change you want to see in the world. Get those off the menu. We haven't heard her full grievance. Sent about this, the situation. I said, "Fuck the wedge salad." Thank you. It's it's abysmal. We got support. You're okay. on the inside, so I feel like you can do something about this. I also do food costing. What's that? Food costing? Oh, it costs nothing, right? It's like three dollars. And Whoa. you're yeah, and you're it's like eighteen at Ruth Chris. Yeah, and mm-hmm. upwards of twenty-five, depending on where you're at and what they put on it. Mm-hmm. On the side, because it slides off due to the shape. <laughs> It's yeah. like the core part of the earth whenever you're at the science museum and they show you what it looks like. I don't want to eat that. It's not an appealing shape. Also, my brain thinks, what's left of the other head of the lettuce? What's the, where's the rest of it looking like? It's on like? somebody else's plate. I don't like it. I don't like it. No, yeah. Well, thank you for your courage in speaking up. I, I have petitioned against the wedge salad because oh, really? stupid. At your job? Yes. What did they say? They said I'm an administrative assistant. <laughs> well, here's what you do. Listen, you get real into the company, act like you like the wedge salads, you move up. Suddenly you're the HR manager. After that, vice president, upwards of president. She's running the company, CEO. You go in, you take the menu, no more wedge salads. And then you go, by the way, I don't even want this job anyway. Bam! Yeah. But guess who makes the menus? Oh, yeah, you just don't put them on the menus. 
I don't know. They're not on there anymore. They're like, no one's ordering the wedge salad. We got heads of lettuce rotten in the back. What is wrong? And they're like, someone Sharpie markered every one of these menus. <laughs> Wonder who it was. Mm. was you? So my original grievance is the same company that I work for. We also own a Prohibition-themed cocktail club in Franklin, Tennessee. So about 20 minutes south of here. Mm-hmm. I'm in my 18. Y'all come see me on Friday night. <laughs> um, we have a pew. Like a church pew? From the Ryman. Oh. Oh. Did you steal it? Or did they give it to we, you? We did indeed buy it. Okay. Uh, Excellent. Amex. Um, on Facebook Marketplace. However, That's my boss weird. wants a plaque for it. And he will not let me include the fact that it could possibly be Oh, yeah, you got to include that. This guy sounds like a monster. He won't. He has wedge salads. He won't uh, acknowledge the paranormal of the Ryman. Lead an uprising I'm of not going to tell you to quit your job, but I'm not going to not tell you to quit your job, okay? Because I don't know. I mean, it's hard to get jobs. So, But I do like Heather's idea of you just got to work your way up to the top until you're the one in charge. You oust him. You put every ghost plaque you want in the whole place. Yeah. And then when, the when you die, you well. go back there and haunt it. I am in charge of the plaques as well. Well, I think you're in charge of a lot of stuff. You just put whatever Action. you want on there. All the credit cards. So Etsy, here I go. Final ruling. I can buy yeah. anything I want. Do whatever you want. Do it. Good Do job. Whatever you want. Do whatever you want. That's all just right. good advice. Right, we have time for like two more. Okay, a short, a short one. We had a short one right here. And she's from Fort Worth. Hey, what's up? Fort Worth. Hi. What's your um, name? So my name is Carissa, she, her. Hi, Carissa. Uh, it's my amazing boyfriend, John. Hi, John. Hi, John. Um, my grievance is uh, we've been together for oh, a really gosh. long time. <laughs> John just got his beer. John just picked up his beer. He's like, Fuck. He's like, oop. <laughs> guess how long we've been together. How long? Oh, you said you've been together a long time? Yeah, I guess. I guess uh, 10 years. Six More. and a half years. More. 13 years. You look like you're 25. You were born in the same hospital <laughs> and you reached your hand over the glass. Your baby hands touched and you've been together ever since? No, 15 years. Wow. 15. Congrats. I'm 31. We've been together for 15 years. Wow. Since you were 15, you've been together? Yeah. Damn. Nice. So and I'm going to guess your grievance is that you introduced him as your boyfriend. <laughs> is that part of this? Yeah, no, I, I've waited 15 years for this moment right now. So. Guess what? He gave us a ring for you, girl. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I am ordained, though, as a, I just want to say I'm ordained. And I have performed marriage before. It is Heather? in the Church of the Subgenius. We live in Tennessee now. We can do it right The thing now. about the Church of the Subgenius. Oh John, I feel, I'm sorry. The thing about <laughs> what's happening right now. Why does no one respect my faith? The thing about, the thing. The thing about the church of subgenius is your marriage can last anywhere from one minute to eternity. So it's up to you. I'm just offering my services. What is your grievance? That he hasn't proposed? Yeah. I mean, I mean should he propose like now? I mean, no? I'm not. Definitely not. Uh, uh, can I fit under this table? I don't know. Um, you know... When is Christmas? Um, you got your friends there, uh, you know. Nine years, there you go. John, I'm not going to put you on the spot. 
Um, unless you want to be. No. He goes, no. <laughs> just went, no. no. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, on the spot. You know? He deserves this. Uh, I, uh... When's graduation? Yeah, when is graduation? <laughs> Find a very monumental thing that's happening in your life. And Wait, maybe. John, you gotta wait till she accomplishes something real big. <laughs> yeah. And then... Oh, you gotta do. You, you, are you a runner? Yeah, you gotta run a marathon. Okay, yeah, run a marathon, get a ring. Okay, that's all I have to do. Okay, okay there you go. Yep, there it is. Awesome. We haven't heard from anybody over here. Oh, I see. Do you have a grievance? You have to tell me. All right, I see a hand. I see a hand in the darkness. Yes, I'm over here in the darkness. Sorry. Hello. Hi. I am, my name is Chris, I'm he and him. Thank you, Hi, Chris. Uh, this goes out to all of the Nashville residents because I'm sure you're going to understand what I'm saying right here. You talked in the show about uh, how it was great that we had so many historic buildings that had been restored and all that kind of a thing. Well, those of us who have been around downtown a lot know that block by block, street by street, you see more and more orange cones go up, more and more mm. construction, more and more of the old neighborhoods come down, no. and more and more of these huge steel and glass monstrosities. The AT and T building is enormous. Was that, that what it was? It's all across what I'm from the Ryman. About in specific, is the Airbnbs that are going up? Oh yeah, oh. that's an issue the in our neighborhood why too. These Airbnbs are going up is because of the aforementioned bachelors and bachelorettes need somewhere yes. to stay so they can all be together in one spot. John, so, you're doing the city a favor, okay? She can't have a bachelorette party. You can't rent an Airbnb. This is all coming for full circle now. What are you on? The Tennessee and she's pulled up an article. I heard something about this though. Go ahead, continue your grievance. I like to, as a law clerk, I like to have uh, mm -hmm. facts and support. So when you guys were, were down at Tootsie's early, you mm -hmm. talked about uh, the tension between the bachelors over here, the bachelorettes mm -hmm. over there. Well, you know what, by the end of the night, they end up one in another place, the other in the other mm -hmm. place. So uh, our city is from coming, becoming from the historical, lovely place that it is to the sin city of the mm. East. Oh, no. <laughs> I just want to rescind everything I said about Las Vegas earlier. I apologize. Heather, Heather. Stand by. Oh. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, hold on. Uh, uh. Hold on. we got to do one at a time. The reason I know this is because as my side gig, I drive Uber on Sunday mornings, and I take the oh. bachelorettes on the You've seen a lot. Oh. Yeah, the, the walk of shame is out of the, the steel and glass Airbnb to my car, and then I take them back to wherever it is that they're staying oh. before they get their flight later on that Sunday So afternoon. is your grievance but, that you want to eliminate Airbnbs? No, Because that's, that's no, beyond my court. No, no, no. My grievance is where do you draw the line in our neighborhoods between oh. uh, the historic Nashville and all this huge monstrosity? In our neighborhood, on. that is also an issue, and you see yard signs that are like, uh, no Verbo and no Airbnb and everything. And it seems like in our neighborhoods, like neighborhood associations are getting together to try and stop that. Yep. Or um, HOAs and stuff. So this I would suggest something along those lines. I uh, rant about it all the time, but I think it's always super important to know like who your local officials are and like something as simple as like who's on the zoning commission. And sometimes in cities you're like, Who's on the zoning commission? And they're like, oh, this is Bill Smith, the CEO of XYZ Corporate Leasing. And you're like, 
Oh, really? This makes sense. Huh. Yeah. You're the one making decisions. And so, like, just as simple as, like, making your neighbors aware of, like, this fucking guy. I'm not saying that's what happens here. I don't know that. But a lot of times you see people with, like, conflicts of interest. And it may be as I have a friend who, I, from my hometown, lives in our hometown and had served previously in city government and, like, saw not ideal candidates running and was like, I'm going to be a councilman now. Uh, and, like, ran for council, and now he serves on our city council and is in things that are, like, vital to the city, but maybe not super exciting and interesting of, like, policy meetings and changes and approving zoning regulations and stuff like that. So it's a bit of a boring answer. Uh, but I think figuring out where, following the money, like, okay, are all these contracts being awarded to somebody, like, one single company? If so, do they have any ties to the government? Are they lobbying? Are they taking your elected council person out to dinner? Just things like that and keeping your eye on it and making a lot of noise in a lot of cases. Like she was saying, there's signs all over our neighborhood and things like that. And we get, uh, you know, little uh, flyers on our door that says, hey, I know this is weird, but do you want to join us at the zoning commission meeting? And I'm like, it's not weird. Like, if you... Sound very passionate, and this is an amazing city. And I think Nashvillians are you, are you Nashvillians? Nashvillians, yeah. that's what. Uh, <laughs> what a great name! But like Nash, wrong. I think we do need some of those. It's just there needs to be a balance. Yeah, yeah for sure. And it's and like, exactly and saying like I'm a rational person. I'm not saying ban all Airbnbs. I'm saying like we need to make sure that there's a vetting process and the proper taxes are being paid so that this the area around them are being cared for and things like that. And I was saying Nashvillians from 1892 on have been like, I see a problem, I'm going to fix it, I'm going to do something about it, and I love that about the city. So hopefully enough Nashvillians are willing to band together and, like, make a stand. Yeah. Until yeah. then, God bless you for driving those drunk holes on an Uber. As a person who's been drunk in an Uber before, thank you, God bless you. I don't do it at night just because I don't want to deal with the real bad That's real true, yeah. that's true. Yeah. They're just like, they're hungover, I can handle it. That's right, they're like, hey, where can we get brunch? Yeah, just be quiet. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, so, final rule, yeah, talk to uh, your neighbors and know who you're voting for. And, Always. Uh, let that passion drive you. Boom. We have time for one more. One more. One more. I, it. I see it. I, I heard see someone way in the, the back air. there. Oh, she's standing up. Oh, hello. Uh-oh. Turned it off. Thanks. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Uh, Nikki, she, her, hers. Hi, Nikki. Oh. And uh, Nikki, right? Um, I have a another food-based grievance. Okay. We I love need, those. Um, I really need your final ruling on because I'm really tired of arguing with my brother-in-law about it. So your brother-in-law? Yes. Okay. Another brother-in-law issue too. Oh wait, uh, brother or mother-in-law? Brother-in-law. Brother-in-law. Yes. Mother-in-law would so have been better, but brother-in-law is good too. Uh, and my one of my sisters is married to Josh, and Josh, uh, we argue every Thanksgiving about the fact that sweet potatoes are a side dish. Yeah. Because he thinks they should be a dessert. Oh. Which is dumb to me. Interesting. <laughs> His uh, argument is, and I guess this depends on how you take your sweet potatoes, right? Uh, there's so much chatter because you mentioned the southern food, and, and they're like, let me tell you about my mom's sweet potatoes. This is how I make my sweet potatoes. Well, mine has sugar, mine have cinnamon, mine have marshmallows. Well, you can imagine how, like, there's like a billion of us in my family, so it just gets. Hold on, hold on. We can't, we can't hear Nikki. Order in the court. Order, Order in the court. court. Can't hear Nikki. Uh, he says it's the marshmallows that makes it a dessert. That makes it a dessert. And okay. I said, okay, so if it if it was just the sweet potatoes, and he was like, well, it has sugar in it too. 
And I'm like, that's half of food. Right? Yeah. Ketchup, like, baby. Yeah. I don't eat ketchup as dessert. Bread, <laughs> bread. Yeah, that's like 80% like, sugar. In your opinion, do the marshmallows really change it all that much? Does that make it a dessert? I have always thought sweet potatoes were a side dish. Yes. I've never considered them a dessert. Sweet potato pie, pie is a dessert. Yeah, I would say that's it. But pie, in and of itself, is a dessert. The existence of the crushed. However, chicken pot pie. Counterpoint. That's true. Chicken pot pie, entree, not dessert. So I guess shepherd's pie. Sh- savory versus sweet may depict if it's a uh, entree or a dessert. That's what I would. How but I would like, do it. But like corn casserole is pretty sweet. Yeah, no, but that's that's a, that's a side it's dish. It's a side. That's what I'm saying. Corn casserole, like what? There's sugar in corn casserole. What does he think? What about cranberry sauce? What does he think about cranberry sauce? It's a side. Then his argument is flawed. What? <laughs> cranberry sauce is pure sugar. It's a logistical fallacy. It's congealed sugar with a bunch of cranberries in it. I'll eat the kind that comes out well, the can. Have so that's before. the best one. Is that a Texas? What kind of gravy? Chocolate gravy. The fuck? Chocolate? I ain't eat that shit. Oh, no. Wait, wait, should I be eating it? It's delightful, Um, but it's not a a dessert, right? Wait, wait, hold on. Is it just chocolate sauce? Is it syrup, hot fudge? It's a gravy that has cocoa powder and a little bit of sugar. It's not, like, super sweet. Uh, but you put it on your biscuits like you would. Uh, salt All right, we'll take. Well, I mean, we. What was it in uh, Salt Lake that everyone loved? Green Jello with carrots in it. Yeah, that was the thing. So we're not here to shame what your city eats. Uh, I would agree that it is a side dish, and the marshmallows do not make it a uh, dessert. I would walk him down. I'm a big fan of like asking questions you know the answer to. So I would walk him down, and I would say, let's consider what side dishes are. Order in the court. We're talking about important ingredients. <laughs> this is very important to me that you are right, that you prove this at Thanksgiving, that you once and for all win this argument. But I would say, okay, so like you're saying, sweet potatoes are a dessert, not a side dish. So let me just say, so you take uh, an organic material like a fruit or a vegetable, and then you put it and you cook it down and you put some sugar in it, and then that's a side dish. And he's going to go, yeah, and you're like, bitch, that's cranberries in your face. <laughs> and then you prove that, you, you know, you got to, like, walk him down the, the road and let him find the error mm-hmm. of his ways. Mm-hmm. Or allow him, at the end of the day, when everyone's eating pie, to be like, I got me a big old scoop of sweet potatoes. And just eat it in the corner. Does he and eat it like, like it's a Josh. dessert? Does he eat it after the meal? And he's like, oh, what a nice dessert no, this is. he doesn't even eat them, really. Then so. he can't even have an opinion. Exactly. Yeah. I also don't, I don't eat sweet potatoes. I don't, I, I like sweet potato, I can't even say that. I don't really like sweet potatoes. And I certainly don't like them when they have marshmallows and stuff on them. I think the whole dish is weird, yeah. but that's just me. But I also think it's a side dish. But my final ruling would be, just play him this episode at your next <laughs> thanks, family Thanksgiving. And uh, what's his name, Josh? Josh. Josh, yeah. you're wrong, buddy. Um, and happy Thanksgiving. All right. What a day. What a day. Wow. Everyone, man, nothing gets people riled up more than food. I'll tell you that. (laughs) You know Uh, what? Thank you all so much for being such a great audience. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much to Zanies. Thank you so much to Christina and uh, Third Man Records. We have had such a great time here. Um, Any closing words from you? I thought that I love Nashville before we took the stage, but then I met all of you and I fucking love this place. <laughs> <laughs> love this city. Love it. Yes. If you're listening, 
to this recorded in the future in some sort of time travel situation and you haven't visited Nashville, visit it visit. and respect it and respect the history. Yes. And be very kind to your Uber drivers and try the gravy, I guess, the chocolate gravy. <laughs> yes, we That's will my definitely. Closing thoughts. We're going to Google you so chocolate gravy. Uh, if you're VIP, stay seated. They're going to tell you what to do. Oh, we got to video. If this is, oh, yeah, we got to take a video, too. Uh, if, you're, if you're leaving, then um, thank you so much. You've been such a great crowd. Everybody yell. Thank you, so oh, thank much. you so much. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Thank you, guys. Yeah, get your friends. Get your friends. We'd love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting this show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. You'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the rolling the airwaves and getting into it tiers, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, which this month will be about Ezra Miller the uh, and the, all the controversy, all the legal, legal issues there, mm-hmm. therein, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister. We have a True Crime Headlines coming out this week with some updates on recent cases. It's it's out. Oh, then go to Patreon and get it. <laughs> and patrons in the Getting Into It tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment each month that they would like us to see performed live. And they also get to vote on a main episode in the main feed. And mm-hmm. uh, that vote's going to go up this week. So yes. keep your eyes peeled. Yeah, the true crime headlines we just did. I know a lot of people have been sending in stuff about the Georgia Guidestones and them getting bombed recently. We talk all about that, as well as some updates in the Kristen Smart case. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. This month, the Q&A is going to be on the 20th at 8 p.m. Central, and the live stream will be the following night on the 21st, also at 8 p.m. Central. For patrons not in the U.S., you also have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com, click on Shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting Sinisterhood.com slash playlist. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod, like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood, and follow us on TikTok and YouTube. Christy, where are you out on the medias of socials? <laughs> I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace, and on TikTok and Twitter at Christy or GTFO. Heather? 
I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the double rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shout outs. Danielle Bay. Spencer Woolard. Christine. Jessica Dean. Taylor Bistrick. Tara Ruffner. Teresa Martin. Ketty Johnson. Jordan Stockwell. Jade M. Ashley Clark. Alex Elizabeth. Louise. Elizabeth Bunker. Rachel Green. Keelan Lytle. Amanda Long. Carly Hughes. Tiffany R. Stephen Law. Ashley O'Toole. Charlie Ball. Kirsty Munro. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We could not do this without you. We sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. Whoa. Sin